0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Hello and welcome to my podcast, Cover Monkeys. My name is Roxy and I am your host. This podcast was born out of my admiration for the working musicians around me and. I love for the nuance of live music performance and long-form podcasts. I wanted it to be a forum to take inspiration from your local heroes, to create a community in our industry, and to see how working musicians around me have made a living. I also just really wanted three hour conversations with musicians I really thought were awesome (laughs) on a selfish note. So I hope you enjoy this chat. Um, This week I had Alex Wesley on the podcast. I learned a lot of new things I didn't know about him which was awesome. Um, Alex is the guitar player, keys player, vocalist uh, from Gorgeous George at the moment. He's got oodles of experience solo and power trios and now in a five piece. He was super fun to chat to. Uh, We did get bit drunk during this podcast so um apologies if the quality of conversation goes down i'm sure we'll do another one before i leave um because alex did not shy away from talking (laughs) um he's currently playing with gorgeous george and lockstop dubai and doing a lot of freelance in and around he also recently got signed with Universal Dubai, which is really interesting. So we had loads to chat about. We got into lots of that, into his craziest wedding story, some of his audience interaction, because he's a great frontman. So um, I really hope you enjoyed it. There were some audio dropouts towards the end, so there might be one or two places where you go, oh, what's going on? I'm still fighting with my interface at the moment. But I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. I had a lot of fun uh, it's a bit longer than three hours, I think, so um, if you've got a really fucking long drive, this is the one to choose. Right. Hello, Alex Wesley.
0: Hi. You all right?
1: Uh, yeah. Good. Um, cheers, everybody. We have drinks. Cheers. We have... He found beer. Is that even your beer?
0: Uh, nope. That is definitely not my beer, but um, thanks, Jim or Paul. <laughs> Jim or Paul. Or <laughs> well, maybe uh, Joe. Maybe mm. who? Someone else who doesn't live here.
1: All right, fair enough. Um, right. So um, I wanted to get Alex on because Alex oh. done a lot of, um, a done a lot of weddings.
0: He <laughs> yeah, have done a few. Yeah.
1: And uh, you did a lot of because he plays keys and sings and plays guitar. Like was guitar first?
0: Yes. No. Well, it depends how you look at it, really. <laughs> so I played piano. When I was really young, about four through about six, but then then moved schools and there wasn't piano lessons available at the school, so I right. moved into recorder because <laughs> that's all there was.
1: Because that's you how know. you get the girls. Well, right?
0: that's you know that's what every that's what every budding musician does, right? They play the recorder. Um, so I did that for a while.
1: Were you good at the recorder?
0: No, I have a vague recollection of um, of it being decided that I, I certainly did not have an aptitude for the recorder. And there were there were people I, I, there were people who I don't I don't remember what they're called, but you know, you've got your recorder and then you've got your, your the bigger ones and all the Alto recorder. I yeah. knew the
1: shit because I was kick ass at recording. Oh really?
0: Yeah. Oh well there you go. Yeah no the, the girls in my, my sister
1: my, had an alto one it was the it was black and white, I don't think. aren't
0: all, aren't all recorders unless unless they're cheap black and white? No,
1: they're you, yeah, my, like, my keys player has a wooden one she's played one on like oh, really? a stage oh wow with Osmutantes in Brazil
0: fair play <laughs> that's I mean that's that's hardcore yeah I remember that there was there were girls in primary school who were much better at the cord- recorder than me and they, they got to play the bigger ones and I stayed back stayed on way. the little stayed on the little recorder whatever little it's called mm.
1: alright so <laughs> you played recorder yeah I played
0: recorder and then then no Brian, about ten moved again and there was a music school and at that point i started playing loads of different things like i played a bit of trombone i played a bit of drums i played a bit of classical guitar i kind of repicked up the piano in a more keyboardy sense at that point and there was like drama lessons and orchestras and i kind of did a bit of everything and then
1: were your parents musical
0: my mum's musical okay. yeah my mum's musical my mum played piano to grade eight when she was a kid but we never had a piano in the house, much to her deep seated distaste, I think. Right. But um she had a she had a small Yamaha keyboard with, you know, the little half size keys and she can still play fleur release. Amazing. About. <laughs> and so yeah, m- mum used to play a bit when I was a kid. And we had this little keyboard.
1: So had you moved, sorry to interrupt, but had you moved three times by the time you were 10?
0: Oh God, I'd moved more than that by the time I was 10. Where, uh, where, where,
1: where did you, was this all in the same area in?
0: So between the ages of, middle of nowhere. Be- before I was 18, well, up until the age of 18, I moved a few times and it was always, it was only ever really within about an hour, uh, sorry, about half an hour north and half an hour south of Milton Keynes. My family's from Milton Keynes originally and I, I yeah
1: sorry about that mate I, I love
0: it <laughs> I love it have you even ever been? no yeah you don't know what you're missing It's basically. I, I don't
1: I went to Birmingham for the first time this year though
0: Birmingham I exciting. lived there for a while as well I lived, I lived there with Jimmy oh if you're going to live in Birmingham you've got to live with Jimmy if I could say anything about Birmingham <laughs> sounds worrying then no, you've got to live with Jimmy but um no I yeah I yeah I, I moved to those times when I was a kid but that was uh that was fun.
1: Right, so you kept on moving to school, so you get... So at 10 years old, you've started playing everything now. Yeah,
0: I, played, I was playing a few things, and then and I did that for a few years, very casually and not really kind of thinking about it too much. And then I went to a, a friend of mine, started playing electric guitar, kind of on the sly, he didn't really tell anyone about it, he was just kind of doing it himself. And um, he must have been playing for about a year, maybe a year, 18 months or something. And I went over to his house and one night, and we were hanging out and most likely playing video games or, you know, whatever we were doing at the age of 14, 14, yeah. 15. And, um, he, he had got, he got a book on the floor, which was an Oasis book and it got cigarettes and alcohol on it. And this is a weird story. I, <laughs> my...
1: I spoke cigarettes and alcohol from the age of four.
0: Well, I didn't, but um, <laughs> the amusing thing was, is I knew the song, but I didn't know it was by Oasis originally. So my mum was a big Rod Stewart fan, and on an album called When We Were The New Boys, Rod Stewart, there's a cover of Cigarettes and Alcohol, and it's, well, it's really good, yep. to be honest. It's really good. And so, I, But I, at that age, I didn't even know, I didn't know there was such a thing as a cover or whatever, you know. I yeah, just, you know you. you you know, it's like you know, you hear you hit the first version of a song. You hear, you assume is the original, especially, yeah. especially at that age. So to it's be like
1: fair, you still to accept yeah, yeah, now, to be and fair, yeah. To fair, oh.
0: so, um, yeah. So yeah, so I that was on on the floor, and I was like, that's that's and then was, like, written by Nolan Gallagher or whatever, and I was like, why it's an Oasis song? And I yeah. Yeah, I never heard it. And anyway, long story short, he showed me a couple of things on the guitar. And um, did you ever uh, do you know have you ever heard Fuck a Dog by Blink One Eighty Two? This, um, is, this is I,
1: I feel like I haven't lived Because I haven't
0: Alright so uh, On the Take off your pants And jacket album By Blink 182 There was a song Called Fuck a Dog And my mate knew How to play it And Through sheer fluke He just Sat me down and it, was, it was a really easy riff But um, Just sat me down and, and showed me how to play it And obviously Because the song was called Fuck a Dog And <laughs> I was 15 I was like This is brilliant and um, so I literally went home that after being at my mate's house then, and I was like, I want a guitar. And I think my parents had thought about trying to get me into it more anyway, and they would thought about getting me an electric guitar. But that was I think, as weird and ridiculous as that is. Yeah, that was the moment where it was like. Oh no! I want to play electric guitar. Like, yeah, like I'll this do is. That. This, I'm doing this now. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because like I played. Classic. You,
1: were you interested in music before? Like, what were? T- did you had to have any albums? Did you? Well, it's.
0: So yeah, I was interested in music, but. It was. It wasn't really until, that fateful night, so to speak, that it kind of, went to the oh like oh no I. Uh, I can play these these songs and like, yeah. and like, wait, what? Like uh, it, you know, that was kind of like the light bulb moment. As ridiculous as that no, sounds, no, I, I mean, uh, well, it's not ridiculous. It's, I'm sure it's pretty much happened for most people, but yeah. mine was off the back of a song called "Fuck a Dog," so <laughs> which is spectacular. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, exactly. I,
1: I think that's great. It's mm. better than Avril Lavigne.
0: Uh, why does everything I have think- to be so complicated? Oy. seeing the way you're acting like you're somebody else, getting me frustrated. Yeah, man. Yeah, you
1: know all those words, don't
0: you? I remember Avril Lavigne very well. A girl, I probably played.
1: for a different reason though. Uh,
0: Was she hard
1: to teenage boys? I don't know.
0: I don't necessarily remember having a crush on Avril Lavigne. I remember girls. I had a crush on liking Avril Lavigne, and I know right. a, I know a girl that I played guitar for a few times over the years was like always got she's she looks a bit like Avril Levine like right. you know you, there's a certainly when she was younger and sort of, if she straightens her hair certainly still now I mean God knows what Avril Levine looks like now, now last time I heard she was married to the dude from Nitical I was
1: about to say she was married to him I don't know if she still is
0: God knows if she is or not but you know
1: I feel like I want to know where,
0: where do you where do you go from there in life yeah <laughs> you know, Chad well, Kruger. she
1: was modelling and stuff Jack Kruger's alright
0: I really like Rockstar I really like Rockstar Really? Yeah uh, Yeah I mean uh, was Is it How You Remind Me? That's I mean that was their big hit That was the ages. initial one And yeah, that's yeah.
1: why everyone I don't know if that's why Everyone started to take them But
0: Well that was Well I mean to date That's probably still their biggest song Certainly internationally
1: Rockstar still goes down well I know a yeah, lot well, of cover bands Who play it
0: Yeah I don't think I've I don't think I've ever I've never Done it Seriously But I've more than likely played it a few times ironically in, in fact <laughs> in fact i definitely have done that because literally i think within the last couple of weeks someone requested "Rockstar" by nickelback and i just sang the first few lines of the song
1: did you do the whole voice
0: no no i just you i just was it, 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 you know what was it um um you know you're on stage and you're chatting and you're interacting with people and you're just like they're like oh I want, you know whether it was on a Napkin, or where he was shouting at me, I can't remember. So like, you know, rock star nickel back. And I was like, oh, is, you know, what, is, is that because you're three with standing in lines to clubs you'll never get in, and on the bottom of the ninth, you're never going to win? And your life hasn't quite turned out the way you want it to be. And I think I did that, or, ah, or something lyric, to that yeah. extent. And, uh, and yeah, so yeah, I've clearly done it in a jokey way, at least.
1: You pay attention to lyrics.
0: Yeah, which is funny because I never used to. Like, we'll go
1: we'll, we'll get back to that let's go back so
0: yeah, I never fuck used to a that. dog yeah fuck a dog
1: and you started guitar and that's kind of when you went full up.
0: yeah and I, and I I kind of went full on pretty quickly really like I remember learning I certainly had Wonderwall down by the end of Christmas day
1: and you've regretted it ever since
0: yeah <laughs> So can I play Wonderwall please uh, do you know I think I know how that one goes and um, nah do you know I like I, I've i done a few different versions of it and I think with stuff like with songs like Wonderwall when you're in the situation where you can because obviously there are some situations where you can't but when you're in situations where you can it's great when you when you've with stuff like that obviously over the years you you, you find your own way of doing it a bit to a certain degree right and like a lot of the times I've done a lot of the times when Wonderwall's been requested or whatever it's been a Solo gig, and so you've heard the is it, uh, the Ryan Adams version.
1: I don't think I have actually. Oh well,
0: the Ryan Adams version of Wonderwall is ah, brilliant to the point that like even Noel Gallagher's like, man, that's that's the definitive version.
1: Really? Yeah, yeah. It's
0: a it's a really good version of the song, and it's it's kind of really stripped back. It's kind of just quite quite picked acoustic guitar, and it's it's really nice. Yeah. And so my. When, when I do that when I get requested to Wonderwall and I have a choice about how it's going to sound I tend to lean more towards that version right and I think my version you know, my version in inverted commas but, yeah you... you know that it sits kind of in between the Oasis version and the Ryan Adams version and it, it's kind of nice and you know, I do it up half a tone and just let it but
1: none this is an it intri- brings me to an interesting point we'll dive in with a question of that like I kind of sometimes find in covers there's almost more creativity than in original sometimes in a certain context because you don't I mean some people would say otherwise but you don't have to do the song as is with originals yeah. you've got to serve your song you've got to prove your song you're wanting to do the song justice you want them to do the song well with covers to me to a certain extent it doesn't matter if i decide to do wonderwall fucking reggae tonight or yeah, whatever yeah totally and with that's where solo is sometimes particularly fun yeah because i you agree can you can, can just do what decide the hell you want. Eh.
0: yeah absolutely i mean i uh, after what point does like playing covers become a modern form of jazz where it's like you've got you've got the structure you've got the chord progressions and the and the way the arrangement of the song to a degree mm. like okay obviously when, in jazz a melody is done by an instrument or whatever and you don't necessarily always have a, a singer or you know sometimes you do and obviously it changes but like yeah. uh, what? why can't you approach covers in that, that kind of sense where it's really freeform like there are there isn't really ultimately any rules it's music yeah. you can do what the hell you want and so yeah I mean if you want to play it reggae if you want to take it completely left field and do something completely different with it as long as you keep relatively within the the formation of what is the song then yeah. there's nothing wrong with it
1: I think that's a really interesting way to word it like saying it, you can do it free form like jazz yeah and like I think
0: well, don't get me wrong I'm no jazz player but like you no know,
1: but, but but what I mean by that apart from is what that it had
0: to be <laughs> yeah. different story yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: a jazz story write that down um, but I think like still regardless the idea is improvisational and the idea is like listening and I think that's sometimes something that sets a great band apart from a good one is that you'll often find the with drummer. amateur musicians
0: <laughs> the drama basically is the thing that sets a great band apart from the good ones you think so? oh I really hope Jimmy's not listening yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it is really, isn't it? Like it was, you know. I think it's Dave Grohl said it's like, you know, good drummer, good band, great drummer, great band.
1: If the rest is shit, that's not going to work. Well, yeah, totally. but I know but what you like, mean. I yeah, know
0: what you mean. Yeah, I mean, so much of it is.
1: It's interesting because I. Someone said something like, you know, although <laughs> all the parts matter, they do say, um, that the drummer is kind of the engine for the band. Yeah, hundred percent. The singers like. The exterior and the rest are the extra bits that are important but those are your kind of
0: there was a there was a um what's his name the the guy from one of the guys from pink floyd wasn't gilmore waters or right the other guy was the name of the drummer from pink floyd can you remember
1: drummer i i only know about waters and gilmore and um of course what's his name barrett
0: oh yeah, barrett. Don't yeah know the no. name. um Nick Mason, Nick Mason, Nick Mason from uh, Pink Floyd. He was like, um, you know, at the end of the day, a band is just a drummer and a bassist and a, an assortment of, of novelty acts.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's because he's the drummer.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, I thought it was quite an amusing and yeah. interesting in- interesting. <laughs> to position, be fair, really. To be
1: fair, but I suppose that is true. The rest is a novelty act that attracts the people and that is important, the yeah. novelty
0: act. Oh, yeah, to- oh, yeah, totally. I mean... We'd be out of a job if we yeah. <laughs> if the novelty act wasn't important. But yeah, I mean at the same time, you know, you whether it, you know whatever the rhythm is, there needs to be that. You know, I mean obviously you can, you can use an acoustic guitar to a degree as your rhythm, but you know ultimately that ultimately however you, the music's being performed in a one two three five twenty seventy size band, you know yeah. you've got the rhythm. You being a, by a drummer or you know percussionist or whatever yeah. you, you know you've got a bass Yeah, the
1: root and the center yeah. of all those parts exactly yeah.
0: and then you've got you've got um you know even if it's a guy freaking waving his hands at the front with an orchestra i think they call them conductors um yes yeah. i've heard i've yeah. heard that yeah you know or you've got um you know and then, and then you've got a line and then it, or at least the the kind of root notes of the piece which i guess ultimately a bass is doing
1: again the root of it yeah
0: and then after that, everything else is just circumstantial.
1: Bro, we can call it like Roots and Wings, you mm. know, like they're the roots of the band and like the wrists, like Wings, mm. you know, like that's the kind of tattoo, well, you like know. Well, like Paul McCartney Wings. <laughs> I don't
0: know.
1: Right. So you grew up in Milton Keynes. You yep. started at about 14, 15, fuck a dog. Properly. And then you start forming bands, I imagine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Like the first year of playing guitar, I was kind of like just finding my feet with it. Then I got an acoustic guitar and I kind of jumped pretty hard into it. Were you then, singing
1: at this point as well? I,
0: very quickly, very quickly, I. I mean, around that time, I'd done a bit of. Like my. Um, like my parents would go to these, like, with those, you know, cl- um, like a club, a workman's club, and there was like right. a karaoke night. And I remember being a kid and and. Being out with my parents on a Saturday night or whatever night, and it was like there was a karaoke, and I was like, "Oh, I love it go. And I remember enjoying that quite a lot. And that was, <laughs> that was probably a. That was For those probably of you who don't know,
1: Wes is an is a average frontman.
0: I've I've done have done my fair share of fronting, even though I'm doing it less at the minute. Much to the, my my heart. Sharp ring. Much to my heartbreak on a weekly yeah. basis.
1: We'll talk about that too, because I, I do think the frontman dilemma is an interesting one.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's, certainly a, it's certainly been a learning curve.
1: To not be the frontman.
0: To not be the frontman. When all you've really known, I mean, I, you know, in my life, the number of gigs I've done where I've not been the frontman is probably less than 50 ultimately I mean other than, sorry before previous before, to this
1: previous, game, to, yeah, this
0: previous game, to Lockstock previous to Lockstock the number of gigs I did without, where I wasn't a front man was probably in the region of about 50 or at least no more than that And but the number of gigs where I have been is in the well it's certainly more than a thousand you know yeah. God knows where the number's at now yeah you know I've lost track
1: Yes, that happens. That does happen. Especially if you're working six nights a week a lot of the time. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's different because, like, I find that as well. It's it's even just a learning curve. Like, I did my first gig as just a guitarist. Now, mm. whether I'm at that level yet remains to be seen. But, you know, where I was just an acoustic accompaniment for a singer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally.
1: And that was really interesting because it was like, oh, I have to follow, like and she's, she's amazing, she's great and uh, the limitations were maybe more my stuff but it was just weird because you're going to someone else's repertoire, eh? Which mm. you're not used to doing you're used to usually doing oh, so this like, is you
0: backing people now? Yeah, yeah I yeah, was yeah. backing a girl and I was mm. like,
1: I'm used to going with my repertoire mm-hmm. and I'm used to going with what song I think should be next and, then, yep. and not in a sense, it was just more like oh, what? Like, she was just, she would go oh, do you know this song? and I'd kind of be like Either yay or nay, but still, like someone else was taking that responsibility. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was weird. Mm. Like it didn't. I was kind of like, oh, because I could trust her, which was great. Yeah, you know, I think if she wasn't good enough, then it would be like mm. really disconcerting. But I could, and that was quite. It was a weird feeling. Like, yeah. oh, I'm not responsible for everything right now. I'm just. I'm. I'm just playing.
0: Yeah, it's kind of that situation's kind of relaxing, but it's kind of not at the same time I get you know
1: you almost feel more comfortable when you're in control
0: sometimes well it's, do you know I don't even think it's a. It's not even a control thing it is just purely a comfort thing it's because it's because I've done something so many times so often for yeah. so long it's like you know you're talking about school like even when I was at school it was like well how did you start singing it was like well no one else at school would sing in the band yeah right. So, you know so so I became the singer in the band, yeah, you know, and i and I played guitar to accompany a whatever outfit we were in at that time or whatever, yeah. but yeah i I you know i i, I although I you know I started playing guitar and I started singing with the guitar, it's like ultimately really the way that started was no one else at school wanted to sing, and so I said, well, I'll do it, yeah, like, and no oh, I- one said. That's a terrible idea. I'll, you, you suck. I'll do it instead. You know, if, they, if anyone yeah. had, maybe this would be a very different conversation. You know, so... But yeah, you because know. you were
1: the one who stepped up. That's why you yeah, exactly. the skills. And I think it's just... You're right. Maybe it's just doing it that often.
0: I think I've, I've learned over the years, in, increasingly recently, the way I work so much is through repetition and just just keeping on doing something. And I'll just keep doing yeah. it and keep doing it and keep doing it until I get it.
1: Yeah. But I think that's anyone. That's anything. That's practice.
0: True. But yeah, but I, yeah, but okay. So here's the thing. So the way I practice is, well, the way I practice now is slightly different because I have to think about it a bit more, but again, prior to this, you know, previously the way I would do... The, uh, thinking about it, uh, the way I learned a lot of songs over the years was I'd be stood with a band at a gig. Someone would go, do you know this song? I would go, no, but I think it goes a bit like this. Yeah. And I would just do it.
1: Hey, that's what I do. Yeah,
0: and I would just do it. <laughs> that's what
1: I'm learning, yeah.
0: And then from that moment on, it kind of became part of the set. Right. And, you know, you multiply that, you, you do that... You do that with a 100 different songs that you kind of know or think you can just about get away with or, you know, know the form or the rough chords or whatever. And then whatever. you do... And, and then, you know, you know you, you, the first night, first night maybe you smash it or maybe it's terrible. But, like, after that point, it's like, well, if it's terrible, maybe it won't go in the set or whatever. And, and, or maybe but,
1: you'll go and listen to but yeah, it. Yeah, you and go and listen, and listen to it and careful. you go and think about
0: it and it sparks it. I don't, I... I thought it's I find, a bit
1: better in the next time. And yeah, like, exactly. I, it's a it's a very different way of learning to a lot of people and like because it does often result in car crashes. Yeah, it's yeah, totally. Which you've seen me do multiple well, times. You know, <laughs> but and it's one of those things. Is there a wrong or right? Because people enjoy seeing, or at least I think, and it depends what context, of course. Yeah, it depends. Context is huge because if I've got to dance floor at a wedding, I'm not going to try something.
0: Oh, new. I would. I still do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've I, 100% I've done it. I've done it loads of times without a doubt. Yeah,
1: 100%. If I'm solo, well. Yeah, if true. I'm with a band and we've got a set and I don't think it's a good recognition and everyone's dancing, we'll keep on with what we've got. I I will, yeah. but again, if it's context because you know when you can make it work. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, totally. Whether
1: it's through comedy, whether it's through I know the song will work, so even if we do fuck it up.
0: Yeah, if yeah. We keep
1: the foot on the floor, we're fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah well I guess in, when the situations where it's come up I've always been blessed by being surrounded by I guess when I was doing weddings it was always in a th- 99% of the time it was with a three piece so I, I, would, I and I know the guys I had on drums and bass then there's a list of those guys and they're all fantastic but um, I, like, I knew I could do just about anything and they'd be fine with it yeah I mean maybe I was less comfortable in the early years but everyone is but like uh, yeah, I, I, I very at least very quickly realised that I could just do. If you, if in a three got... piece
1: context, it's worse. Oh, because you can lead so it because easy. you can lead it melodically. Because even if the bass player and drummer fuck up most of it, you can still yeah, lead yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So as long as they do some followers. Oh, Have, lead, have uh, you ended up in a situation where they couldn't follow, like, or where you had the wrong person on the gig? Well, you always just had the great players.
0: Um. Well, I've certainly had people who I haven't called back. Think, uh, this might... This, well, so the way I always... <laughs> the way I was with the three-piece when we were doing Wedding, like there was a point a few years ago where we did we were doing a lot of gigs. Like we did, I think it was 2013, we did 250 gigs in a year and I would say most of those were the 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 very sizable chunk of those were with the band i don't think i was really doing any solo gigs at that point so right. so it, was, so it was, they were all band gigs and at that point in time and you know a couple of years previous to that there were the numbers were lower but you know it was still 150 200 and then you know 250 yeah. or, you know in that was the in those of, ranges in yeah. those ranges so you know we were gigging a lot and there was one guy there was one guy who was Who the bass player I was playing with recommended at the time, and he was like, you know, let's get him in and we'll do a rehearsal with him, and then you know he'll be good for a depth. And I begrudgingly said yes because at the time my attitude was, if
1: you need a rehearsal, you're not good enough.
0: Well, there is, yeah, yeah. I mean, not entirely. A rehearsal, yeah. Well, to be honest with you, yeah, that was completely my opinion. But but in my slightly more formative years, I will understand. I understand that a rehearsal will always make you better. Yeah. And hundred percent. You know, a, a band that's rehearsed at least once before a gig will be significantly better. In a mm, better? Will they be better? They'll. They might be musically tighter, or certainly more on point, and they'll be certainly more prepared. Yeah. Than that. Better is a different thing because when in that moment of spontaneity and that moment of insanity, then anything can Sometimes happen. Sometimes there's a creative
1: magic thing yeah, and and from a new that happens. Yeah, and maybe that will be
0: better. So, so better, I guess. Better or worse is ultimately a completely, uh, is a matter of perspective and opinion and perspective,
1: subjective. Yeah, exactly. Circumstantial. You can't know. But, but anyway, generally, the idea is yeah. a result is better than none.
0: Yeah. Oh, Gen- yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, genuinely But my attitude at the time was Other than this one rehearsal And I, I, it happened for me to appease the bass player at the time And, and after that I didn't ever do it again until much later um, My opinion at the time was If you can turn up, get through the gig and smash it Then I'll book you again Yeah And if you can't, I won't Yeah And, um, and this guy turned up to the rehearsal and didn't even smash the rehearsal. And within yeah. within about within about five minutes of him being in the room, no, no. Do you know what? Within about fifteen seconds of the first song, I was like, he doesn't know it. Like, yeah. and you know, he was a friend of the bass player, and you know this. And I actually, well, was he a nice guy? Oh, he's the, uh, he's the nice he's a nice guy. He he plays with a few people that I know. He's a he's a respected drummer in the circles in which I'm from, but. You know, and I'm purposely not naming his name. Yes. But like, you know, it, it, it was just like he for what I needed for where I was at that time and what I needed, and then and I don't know, maybe even now, it was like, yeah. no, no, we, this isn't the way I work. No. I, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. And and we I had not argument with the bass player. I dragged him outside. Shouted so what at you him.
1: said in the rehearsal, you were like, sorry, this. isn't Well, I on.
0: didn't want to. I didn't want to lay into the drummer because I'm not an asshole but the bass player was sticking his heels in and being a bit of a dick so I took him outside that I literally I literally was like get outside right now <laughs> like and I stood outside the rehearsal space that we were in and I was like no he's not doing the he's gig he's not he doesn't know it yeah. he, you know he doesn't know the stuff he's playing like we've outside we've gone of out bed. of our
1: way yeah yeah to make a rehearsal like, for him yeah exactly and he hasn't come knowing his shit yeah show. and I was
0: like I don't have time for this we've got you know, X number of gigs coming up. Like, fuck this! What I, I know the songs. You know the songs. We
1: they're, don't need they're the covers gigs. for yeah.
0: fuck's sake. It's not like how they work isn't obvious. <laughs> yeah. Just listen to them for God's sake. You know, you know, uh, uh, you know. There are songs which are harder yeah. and easier and stuff like that. And you know, but this wasn't. This yeah, wasn't, it wasn't fucking hard. dragon no, force. You know. <laughs>
1: we're not coming in
0: with bow right yeah the, the fucking song,
1: brown-eyed fucking girl
0: the first song was superstition and it's like well come on mate like if, if i'm 15 seconds into you playing superstition and you don't know it and i know you don't know it and this isn't going to work in an improvisational or anything way get the fuck out
1: yeah no that's yeah fair
0: You Beca- know.
1: so on that point how do you learn songs Ha. Because I don't ever
0: <laughs> I'm an asshole I'm a, I'm a completely hypocritical prick no I am um,
1: but this is the thing I think it comes from being a frontman I think the problem is we've never had to people have to adapt to us and the way we've learnt it or half learnt it because we've focused on repertoire
0: do you know what it's, it, and
1: uh, entertainment
0: I think that I think that there are I think very strongly actually that there are personality traits related to the instrument that people play massively and the way that guitarists learn songs is by and large they don't they'll black them right and i've done that a lot a hundred percent i've done that loads of times for better and for worse and there's certainly been times where it's been for worse but there's been plenty of times where it's been for better but guitarists generally don't put the time in they go and black it And that's it, and it's a it's a person like like I Whereas keys
1: players tend to (laughs) But you're a keys player now. I find keys players tend to be the most responsible. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But and so this is where it's been really interesting for me because I'm not a keys player, I'm just playing keys. Like I like I so so my approach to keyboards and piano or whatever, in terms of my personality as I've always been in terms of music, comes from a guitarist point of view. So it's like I'm blagging. Like, and so, but, but there is, there has been, well, there are, and there has been plenty of times where I I can't do that because, well, A, the keyboard is my second instrument, not my first. And so my ability to blag is, is significantly reduced compared to my ability to play guitar. Like not even saying that I'm all that playing guitar, but like, but you know, you
1: know, you know the fretboard. Yeah, I know what I'm know, doing yeah. on the
0: guitar. You know, and and I, I you know, I, I certainly know what I'm doing on the piano. But like, my ability, like, my, what I'm saying is my ability to blag is certainly different in yeah. those two contexts. Um, but yeah, I, it's just a slightly
1: difference to your first language to your second.
0: Yeah, and and there's been great advantages of me being of me playing both and what I learned on the guitar. I took to the, when I when I really started playing guitar. I took what I learned on the guitar to the piano, and then as I've played piano more, what I've taken learned on the piano, I've taken to the guitar more. Certainly, it's made a difference to like my songwriting, and I do stuff with songs now as it, yeah. looking at it from a piano sense that I certainly never would have done looking at guitar sense. Right? You know, it, it, you know. Ultimately, it's made me a better musician. But yeah, and in terms of learning songs. I mean, there are other personality traits like I'll leave everything to the last minute. Uh, like I need a deadline I need pressure I need these things I need you know but that's that's just me and that's that's not the way that certainly wouldn't be the way I would recommend people to work but that's just the way I know through living my life that's how I work
1: yeah it's a weird thing like um, I've always found like I'm motivated by performance so Mm. that's where practicing guitar has been a struggle for me
0: yeah yeah I never practice
1: like Right. So, Ever but, but on guitar. This is the thing. I mean, but did you?
0: Um, I think what I did... I think in my formative years, I sat around and I learnt the songs I wanted to learn. Right. And
1: Formative years being what, till 18?
0: Well, I guess probably till about... Probably till about... Well, maybe until I went full-time, maybe. So, yeah, I mean, I started playing properly about 15. So I'd say certainly certainly until I was 18 I just sat around playing the songs I wanted to know
1: How often were
0: you playing Oh at that point I was playing probably every day There was a point I remember the summer of uh, 2005 I was working in I was working at a service station on the M1 in England
1: Oh fun It was
0: you know real real glory, real glory job no, that's great actually to be fair it would for for where I was and how old I was and everything. I mean, I I I come from a from a three pound twenty three an hour job to what was then this job at something like five pound ten or something. Yes, And And now obviously that's <laughs> that's that seems like nothing nowadays. But um, at the time that was mega bucks. But I used to work a two till ten shift at the at this service station, and I used to come home and sit with the guitar on my knee and the computer in front of me and you know, maybe a couple of total guitar magazines around or whatever yeah. I was doing. You know, at that time, that's what, what you did. Yeah. And, um, and I'd sit and I'd play to backing tracks, and I'd learn songs, and I'd, and, I'd, and I'd just, I'd be playing every night, all the time. And that was my way of doing it, but I, you know. I, what, it's funny, yeah. some
1: of the best musicians I know, I mean, the practice is now coming back into it, so there are some of the best musicians I know also like rehearse a shitload. Mm but like then you've got people like you and um although i suppose paul does practice but like tom tom atkinson is a prime example i don't i can't imagine him practicing Mm. he certainly says he doesn't yeah on contract and yet he has one of the best ears i've known i don't know whether that's natural inclination whether it's years of doing it as a kid Mm. like
0: i um i I'm really bad at doing stuff I don't want to do. Right. And if there is even the tiniest part of me that doesn't want to learn a song,
1: it's going to be procrastinated to the last minute. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: But um, but so I, so I think so, so to, to flip that on its head, I feel like I'm re- I'm really inspiration based with what I choose to do do you you find
1: it easier to learn stuff for your solo set than it is when
0: i well no because i I didn't really do that but like so like if i i I found you know before before and around dubai i was working with the band in england and fronting it and and I, i the band had always been a thing and it's the same band essentially as the one that i did all the weddings with and stuff like that right but i a couple of well, two, three, three, two and a half, three years ago, probably three years ago, kind of now, I um, I kind of hit a point where I was like, I want to get a solid lineup of the same people. I want to get turn it from a three piece into a four piece, so I can play guitar and piano and accommodate that. Even though it means I have got to lug more gear around, that sucks, but you know whatever. And yeah, and and I want. I want to incorporate doing original music as well as the covers and so we can make money doing the covers and we can do the original music on the side as, or you know as, as well as and we can, we can if we did it all as if we did all of those things together package the whole thing together yeah that will work
1: use the covers and this is something like uh, I've been speaking about with my winning banders I think uh, people can be quite allergic to this idea of, no, we don't do covers or we don't do original. Uh, And it's like, and I don't think they're that separate. Like they are and they're not, it's all entertainment. And I think, look, if covers gets people to know you and you get to be able to, it gives you the finances to do some of the music you want to do, then involve them. Do you
0: know, at the end of the day, from my perspective, it's, it's, it's pure, it's, it's a combination of snobbery and incompetence. Right. Right, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Well, the the Rolling Stones' first album was a cover album. Yeah. Now you're going to tell me that Rolling Stones are a shit band, or or, you know, or a cover
1: band? Just a cover
0: band. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Beatles. I mean, the Beatles is always the one you
1: can go back to because that's where they started, and I
0: think
1: yeah, Hamburg. And I think it's just stupid. I don't know. Everyone always goes... There's always this thing that people say, oh, it wasn't like this before. It never used to be like
0: this. So, yeah, it was. You used to go out and play workman's clubs for any money you could get because that's how you survive playing music. Yeah. And that's how you survive playing music. It ain't pretty until someone gives you a million quid. And that doesn't happen very often.
1: Yeah. And I think some people say, oh, it was easier back in the day. And I'm like, no, it no, was it different.
0: It was just... Yeah, it was different. It was
1: just different. Because they say, oh, if you were good enough, you'd get booked. And I was like, well... I mean
0: that's oh, certainly not the case now, so there's plenty of crap bands getting booked.
1: Um, the same way it was previously there were yeah. also crap bands and you yeah, yeah. you're saying oh the the good stuff got out there, yeah, but also shit stuff did. Yeah and yeah, there was it did. great stuff that was never heard as well. Yeah, absolutely. That always happens. And so yes, it's you can't get the music. same contracts you used to get, but you have probably more of an ability to make a small living or to find your niche that's in fucking Germany, Berlin.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, the internet's blown everything completely wide open, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, ultimately...
1: But What's your opinion? Because you got signed, so what's your... Because you've, of course, got a couple of albums, or you've got... I know I've heard one that you recorded, but I don't know if you ever released it. All right, so... so what, yeah, go through your timeline with originals.
0: My timeline with originals, um, I guess, when I was a... I think I started trying to write R- mm, quite probably about a year, probably about a year or two after I started playing guitar, and it kind of just happened fairly naturally. But I didn't, you know, think of myself as like a songwriter, and I was certainly really, really uncomfortable about the whole thing. Like I wasn't, I was not. It's a vulnerable it. place. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. And yeah, I, know. So, so it took me a long time to, to. To move past that, I remember when I got to uni, I started a well, I started a band called Supernatural. Were well, you setting music, by the way? Yeah, I did music production. Oh, okay, I music didn't production. Let you do yeah, because that, that was that was kind of what was on offer in Newport in uh, Northampton. Because although I know ACM and BIM and all that stuff was around at that time, it was never something that was. I didn't. I didn't know it existed. Right. I, 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 so I guess to give a fuller picture of me is like I can't, like, in my teenage years I lived in the country like you know and my parents while played a bit of music and certainly loved music they didn't they aren't you know they aren't musicians and never really yeah. kind of chased that or anything and so I, everything i everything I've kind of done or found or been along the way is because I've done it been it and found it Yeah, right. It wasn't just like, well, you should go and do this. I've just kind of fallen into it. Right. Now, you know, that's a combination of luck and God knows what else, but...
1: Well, and I think just drive. Yeah,
0: yeah, there's... Yeah, I'm pretty stubborn, I guess.
1: (laughs) Drive was a compliment. No, I got it. Yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, I got it. Thanks, mate. Don't feel comfortable. Mm. Okay, done. (laughs) Anyway, okay, so you... You, yeah, so you ended up in Northampton. I ended
0: up in Northampton and I was playing with a band. And, and it's funny because thinking about it now, it was like the cor- I was doing the course to, to play with a band. And I, one of my best mates to this day was the drummer. Um, I had a really, you know, really cool guitar player um, who still goes out and plays in some punk bands around Northampton. And there was a bass player who I believe now does artist management and stuff like that. And we did a bunch of gigs, and I wrote a lot of songs, and the guitarist and I wrote some stuff together. But um, I think I was, I was still very much finding the way I wanted to work and finding how I wanted to, to do. And, and I think, it, I think uh, that that was for the for the longest time after being in that band, for a band that I was fronting or whatever. Yeah. It was a three piece, there wasn't a second guitar player. It wasn't until much later, like literally three years ago now, that I kind of wanted to get another guitar player in and did it like that. Right. Um, you know, we had our creative differences or whatever, but it was. You know, was, it was
1: that with the particular three
0: piece? No, that was with the that was with the, the uni guitar player to be fair but it was really interesting i mean I, like not in a bad way but like looking back you know, now it's it's hilarious it was you know classic band it's it's, the, it's, it's always the same band drama it's the same it's always the same stuff it's career.
1: so funny like it's just one of those things i remember saying to my cousin um jamie yeah 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 so He's a phenomenal musician, absolutely spectacular, very similar to you, sings, plays keys, plays guitar. Yeah. Good on all
0: of it. I'm listening, I just need more vodka, keep
1: going. Yes, bring the vodka back for me as good well. Good idea, sorry Paul. Um, we can pause it. Okay. But yeah, like, Jamie was, um, he was uh, going out on contract, uh, his first contract, and you know, my aunt who's a phenomenal musician as well, they were all like, oh, he's gonna be fine, there's not gonna be any band drama. I said, look. Hmm. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, there will be some form of band drama. Whatever you do, don't bang the singer. But <laughs> otherwise, yeah. there will be some form of band drama. And he was like, no, no, no. And of course, what happens? There's band drama. There always is. Sugar's, especially on contracts, it's yeah, really yeah, worse. But even in wedding bands, it's just oh. He doesn't groove right or that person doesn't learn the song properly or we feel the beat differently or i don't like that person's tone or that person's too loud or i, bullshit.
0: I well in wedding bands i never had much i never had any drama to be honest with you in terms of wedding bands. well i had very i would say i had minimal. incredibly minimal drama yeah because
1: well there's not drama i wouldn't call it drama there's differences but it's never that drastic
0: the way there was only really ever a couple of occasions where i had the same lineup for a lot of gigs right and i and it wasn't to say it wasn't to say that my list of people didn't play a lot of gigs with me because they certainly did but the terms of actually having like a solid lineup for a year or Cheers, whatever by the way. oh wait on let me top it up with orange juice um that only really happened a, a couple of times until we got to the you know the four piece later in life and um you know i had i'd, I'd uh, Cheers. Cheers. I had Jimmy and Jimmy from Jimmy, Jimmy and a guy Jimmy named Jimmy Holiday. Jimmy Holiday and a guy named Kev Cook. That was um, well, actually no, I just got, we go back even further than that. So the band was called AKA. Um, it was originally myself, a drummer named Kev Hickman, and a bass player called Alex Preston, AKA.
1: Woo, yes, Which
0: became a funnier name in time because when you start working with different agencies, they all want a different band name. And so, you know, you end up with that different band names for the same band. So AKA became kind of funnier. Um, So yeah, they, so they they were the uh, original lineup, and then the drummer kind of went off to play with a blues musician and a a drummer I was working with, well, a guy I knew who played drums, I was working at Yamaha with, kind of, right to the absolute, Credit to him, gener- generously, I will never truly be able to, at the time, he saved my ass. But um, yeah, he stepped in and played drums with me then, a guy named Allen, right. and he was amazing. And he did, I, did my, he, I did my first weddings with him. Because I, I got- Was uh, this straight out of uni? No, 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 so straight out of uni, I was working at Starbucks.
1: So did the idea of covers not come to you then?
0: Oh, that came much later.
1: So that's interesting. I find that so weird, so strange how many people come out of music and don't see that line of work.
0: Well, I, Is it I, that you
1: didn't see it, you didn't know it existed know or it you existed. didn't want
0: to? I didn't know it existed. I, I genuinely, it was, it was pure ignorance. I, I, no, one, no one I knew was doing it. Right. I didn't know it was there. I didn't know that was an option. So, I, you know, I, I played in an original bands and, you know, borderline punk bands in uni. Yeah. And, and then I, you know, I did a kind of rocky, weird EP in, this, in my third year, moving into more of a three piece. And then I...
1: Is it available online? If
0: no, you no, it hasn't been. I, it's, it's on, it's on a Dropbox, it's in a Dropbox, just safely somewhere. Yeah, just safely, yeah. so that
1: it's there, because I might want to one day, but I also I'll really reminisce don't.
0: with it, but yeah. that, that isn't going out.
1: Yeah. That's not going anywhere.
0: <laughs> I, I don't release much music for that point, actually. Like no, if I think I,
1: I've got some embarrassing shit on the internet.
0: I've definitely got some embarrassing shit on the internet, but like I, there isn't there isn't much of it anymore. There certainly was more.
1: I've, have you done a clean-out?
0: Well, so obviously I, I released an EP in 2009 as AKA, and that's a different story altogether. But I did an EPN, and, and I at the time that was I mean iTunes had been around for what two years at that Jesus,
1: point. Jesus, yeah.
0: You know, and so as an experiment more than anything else, yeah. I I think I used TuneCore at the time, which I think is still yeah. one of the that big still ones exists. now. Yeah, yeah that, that still sort exists. of thing. And and I put the music up on iTunes, and I probably made I don't know a fiver.
1: Yeah, I was about to say pound. Yeah, yeah,
0: you know, and maybe um, you know, but but the, you know, mum
1: bought it. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, probably, or I bought it once because I lost the lost the <laughs> masters or something. You know, in yeah. whatever you know, whatever went wrong with my computer at the time. But yeah, no, I I've yeah I got rid of it. There's not anything too around us out there. And then anything I did which I felt was a bit kind of risque, or I was kind of pushing a boundary, or trying to do something different with. Last, the last time I did that, I did an EP in 2014. And I was trying to take my more songwriting-esque songs and do it with more of like an electronic style of production, but I'm certainly not an electronic producer. Right. And So I, I, did this, um, I did this EP, and I printed 100 copies and sold them, and then that was it. And I still play the songs on that EP now. Yeah. And my plans, our yeah, al- future album plans, incorporate basically all of the songs that are on that EP. Right. But done with the benefit of hindsight and yeah. knowing now, it was it was a stepping. It was a, it was a but I think it was a place like, in my life. Right. The but
1: obviously, it did well. If you made some money back from selling those EPs,
0: I think. Well, I sold them all. I, I wanted to print a hundred, I printed a hundred, I sold them all.
1: That's great. That's amazing. But that that's the thing, the bar for success in original mm. music is quite a weird one. And yeah. what is it? And yeah, to make a profit there's this really weird line.
0: Yeah, and this is I mean original well, original music's crazy. I mean, yeah, there you know, for every for every Ed Sheeran, and there are there's ten thousand Alex Wesleys.
1: <laughs> Oi. Oi. Does that mean just talented musicians? Well, I wouldn't even say that musicians.
0: about myself. But like, you know. They,
1: they, but I'll hear like, you say. But I'll you
0: No, but like, you know, for for every for, there, there are so many. What? What? I'm, maybe let's not use me as an example. But, but I
1: know what you mean. There are so many talented musos who have written. Loads of songs who are trying to make it as original artists.
0: Yeah, and, and well, people just making music. Yeah. They like you know because I mean we you know I guess you know you, you said talented muso. I mean that implies people make you know playing instruments and stuff. But there's just as many great people on a laptop doing amazing stuff. Yeah. Which a lot of the time the sounds point. significantly more professional <laughs> than anything us, you know.
1: Us musicians. Talented musos, yes. you know,
0: ever could make and, right. and, and it, so it's really funny how it works so the, the bar and the way it works is completely skewiff and completely I mean romantic. I do want
1: I do want to get to like where you want to go uh, original music wise but I want to go back into first into so you got out of uni and worked at Starbucks yeah how long what were you doing at the time
0: well I worked my way through uni also
1: tell the story while I go wee
0: are you going to go wee
1: <laughs> I need to go wee well why don't
0: you pause it rather than pause like it. Okay, we'll
1: pause it you are sufficiently pringled and smoked and I don't necessary. smoke
0: <laughs> sorry yeah.
1: are you still one of those guys hiding it from your
0: parents no my parents know that I smoke um, they just really don't want me to which is very numb. and I do know I need to give up and it's on my list of things to do and it's it's, it's moving up my list you of did cut
1: down do. on McDonald's though which is good
0: I <sighs> Cause didn't eat McDonald's for a month recently
1: okay you're looking oh, at when, me like that's impressive
0: oh okay for me that's really impressive so my, <laughs> my diet has historically been more than dreadful <laughs>
1: Alex Wesley um, came to Dubai looking well-formed,
0: well formed. Well, I... just
1: just just grew slightly rotund. Yeah, I, <laughs> and I... I can say that now because you've lost it.
0: Yeah, yeah I, so I I probably put on about 13 kg moving to Dubai in the first. I put year. on
1: three kilograms in a week of being here. Yeah, it's just the popcorn and the and it's just hard not to drink.
0: Yeah, there is that. I mean, but it's the Dubai stone. It's a thing. It's well documented.
1: The Dubai Stone. The Dubai Stone. You've not heard of the Dubai <laughs> no. Stone?
0: First year you come to Dubai, you put on a stone. And because I came to Dubai, I, put, I ended up putting on two stone. I came to Dubai twice, rather. I came, up, ended up putting on two stone. It's ah, only been this season yeah. that I've gone, okay, I just need to think about this a little bit more. And, and, uh, and yeah, my exercise hasn't really changed. I've just stopped, stopped eating, eating quite all so much. the food. But in the last month, month six weeks, I've gone veggie.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the other night.
0: Yeah, I've gone veggie. And um, I did it before. And um, and it's good. I mean, but and obviously, as a, off the back of that, I haven't eaten any McDonald's because I do love a quarter pound of a cheese. And that's, you know... Not veggie. It's not veggie. No. As it, it transforms. But I did
1: see some McDonald's when I came in. And what was that?
0: Where was um, that? Oh, that, might not, that might not even... Oh, that's Nando's. No, I had a Nando's. Oh, but they do I a see. fantastic halloumi and mushroom wrap. Oh, that sounds amazing! It's really good. I've got to save for later, but oh, no, I, I I went to McDonald's drunkenly last Friday and went and got a um, I keep calling it a veggie tandoori chicken, but it's not obviously chicken. Veggie tandoori deluxe burger, right? Okay. And that was that was quite nice. I mean, it was better when I was wasted, but um, <laughs> the chips. Tried it sober, not as. good. It's not as good, but the, chips aren't the vegetarian. Chips are still, <laughs> the chips, the chips, chips. What do you mean the chips aren't vegetarian?
1: No, they
0: are Oh, exactly. Yeah, the chips are You're big. like, what? Yeah, I'm like, my whole oh, life no. Doing... oh no, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, no, I, I, so I ordered some chips last night and uh, they were fantastic. i I, cause I do miss McDonald's. I course.
1: think it's really hard to eat well in our job. Uh, yours I, is, I is a
0: different situation to mine because you get your meals provided. And when I did the solo gig, my yeah. meals were provided. Oh, I just could just go to the restaurant when it was open and eat whatever the hell I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, those cafes. I... I Gouged and down you did. <laughs> cheesecake like it was going out of fashion. Oh, God.
1: It's not even the cheesecake, it's the hummus.
0: And the room service. Oh, my God, the room service. Did you
1: get free room service? No,
0: then? I didn't get free room service. Oh, but you just have which no self restraint. bit me in the ass <laughs> later. But um, it was, uh, it, I mean, like, I was at the ward of Astoria. Like, you don't really find many hotels nicer than that. No. And so everything was just, it was, it was ridiculous. That was my. Is there impression.
1: still a solo gig there?
0: I imagine so, but I don't know who's doing it. Oh, okay. That's but just interesting. If anyone gets it, well you'll be playing to no one but your life will be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> you're quite
1: far away though.
0: Yeah, the palm's funny because it's a very famous part of Dubai, but it's if you're far not, away from the normal humans. Yeah, really. It's like unless you unless you're actually um unless you need to go to the palm for a specific reason, you don't go to the palm ever. Like yeah. Like since not being on since not playing on the Palm, I've been to the Palm twice in a, you've been a year here, and like, a half.
1: Yeah, wow. And
0: one of those times was to show my parents where I was playing. <laughs> I just snuck them into the Waldorf. Yeah. And the other time was uh, someone's leaving party or something. You yeah. Know? And so, it, yeah, it's it's funny, but it's it's well, it's an amazing feat of human engineering.
1: Yeah, riveting stuff. The Plastic City at its best. But anyway, so we were talking about, you came out of uni, you didn't working know there things. you were working at Starbucks.
0: It's working at Starbucks. For yeah. how long? I worked at Starbucks through uni, coming out of uni, so I was basically in my second year at uni, so I only did an HND, I only done an HND thus far, something I'm looking to correct currently.
1: What's an HND?
0: A Higher High National Diploma. Okay. So it's basically like two years instead of three. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was working at Starbucks And I got to the point of, you know I was moving up my Starbucks career I was a supervisor and all this stuff all right. And that was fine But I, I had what I refer to as the post-uni freak-out Of what the hell am I doing in my life? Yeah I, mean, I, I, um, I knew a few There was a, there was a um, I don't know if you'll remember this But there was um, a there was a guitar shop or a music shop at the time called sound control no
1: i wasn't in the country remember ah, i've right, only yeah, been in yeah. england three
0: years okay so so yeah 10 well about yeah about nine years up until about nine years ago there was a very large chain of music stores called sound control right. and they were at the time the largest musical instrument oh, yeah. retailer in the uk and they're very big and they had a store in milton king's and i knew a bunch of the guys who worked there because I been in and bought guitars and, you know, done the thing, as I'm sure you have with like Gack in Brighton. Friends, and yeah, yeah. yeah you well, make...
1: now everything's online.
0: Well, yeah, true. But... So even
1: though I live in Brighton, I can never get parking at gaps so what do I do? I order of Gear for Music. Oh, really? Because delivery is shit. Oh, is it? Wow. Gear for Music, are honestly, the bomb. Okay. It's so good. Th- that doesn't matter to you because you're foreign now. <laughs> yeah basically anyway but sorry so, in okay in so Soundcraft or whatever Sound of yeah Sound you know the guys so I
0: knew the guys and I and I got chatting to the manager one, one day who's got a, you know CLC every now and again around about and and I said oh yeah you know, I've just finished uni and, and done this music production degree you know diploma or whatever and he was like oh cool well, we're looking for someone to do our high tech stuff which was the production PA yeah that sort of stuff which
1: you'd studied production so. yeah
0: yeah i mean i ended up spending two years playing guitar and just dabbling really in the production in, in, in to be honest really yeah. about it at the time but um but yeah I, you know i i and so he said oh do you know do you want to come in for a trial shift
1: that's everyone's dreams most musicians dream of working in a music store
0: yeah well it was great um it was great and so i but my I went in for the trial it was a two day trial shift and if it wasn't the, and if it wasn't by the middle of the first day it was certainly by the middle of the second day I ended up selling the most expensive guitar in the shop
1: get in and which was a
0: it was a I think it was like a Taylor 814 or something it was about it was about two and a half grand at the time I think the 814 is a bit more expensive than that now but yeah it was a it was a high end Taylor at which point was that it like,
1: due to you being banging, or just because someone had wanted it?
0: Well, mm, it's always a combination of luck and ability. Yeah, I would say, I would say, I would say exactly that. It, it was, I was—I don't think I did anything, anything particularly special, but I certainly know that I can sell stuff at the same time. Right. So I, you know, that I mean, this certainly is, made
1: them feel comfortable spending that amount yeah. of money
0: with you. I mean, this was. Yeah. 12 years ago so i can't exactly tell you the exact specifics of how it happened yeah. i can just tell you that it did happen but um yeah after that they immediately pulled me aside and were like yeah yeah we'll we'll employ you yeah <laughs> like you you've just sold the most expensive job you just shop.
1: paid your salary yeah exactly up, you've just so. paid, yeah
0: exactly so like, i think we can afford to have you yeah and and so yeah i i i, I immediately quit starbucks and um and went to work at Sound Control, And I worked there for about a year or just just shy of a year.
2: Right.
0: And I really enjoyed it and I was, I was, I was really, if I didn't work it out in that first day, I'd certainly worked it out later. I was, I was pretty good at selling stuff. Right. And I was pretty good at um, the incentive of a sales target and the idea that if I beat it, I could make more money. Right, like that, that. That really worked for you. Turns out that worked pretty. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, that works well for me. I, like in, those, I can deal with those situations. The only thing that was wrong with it was, um, for me at the time, it was twofold. Was the first day of the month was depressing, right? <laughs> because everything goes back to zero.
1: Okay, and you
0: have to start again. And secondly. I was so bloody good and I beat everyone every single month to the point that the manager started giving his sales to the other guys to kind of give them a bit more of a boost and incentive. And it pissed me off, frankly. Naturally, yeah. Because I was like, I'm busting my ass doing this and you're just, you're just legging everyone else up. Yeah,
1: because they're not putting the work
0: in. Yeah, or whatever. And so, um, yeah so yeah so after and maybe i was only there for about 10 months but i remember reaching a point of just like "Nah, this is fuck this and there was um i can't remember the name of the magazine but there was there was some music retail industry magazine that would just happen to be on the counter one day and there were three jobs in the magazine one was for guitar demonstrator for line six one was for uk sales manager for orange amplifiers and one was for guitar marketing assistant for yamaha right so i went for all three of them Yep. i didn't get the orange one or leave an interview because as it turns out uk sales manager is quite an important job (laughs) right and and so at the age of 20 at this point I, i was definitely I was definitely punching yeah. for that one um, I got an interview for the Line 6 job which amusingly went to a guy I know now because and I, and yeah. I but I and I and I got the Yamaha job and I went to work for Yamaha okay was,
1: context makes sense now yeah
0: because then in, uh, three four years ago Yamaha bought Line 6 right so the guy who got the job that I went to went for years ago I now know, yeah. You know, and and, and kind of worked alongside, and and I've and amusingly, I've done demonstration work for Line Six since yes. since I went for that job, and so I, you know, it's not. It's, it's, I don't think I've ever really. Shouted how did back you to do me.
1: this audition, or like, um, how did you get the job? What did you have to do for it?
0: Well, the Line Six job was just going to a go to Line 6's office, head offices, which at the time was in Daventry, and I sat with the. Then sales manager, and he was like, "Play, play some guitar for me." I was like, "Okay," <laughs> and I sat and played some stuff. And whatever ability I had at 19, 20, or whatever age I was, yeah. I did that. the The Yamaha job was was where well, it was a marketing job, so it was a lot more formal, and and I went in for an interview, and I and I just talked and we talked about whatever we talked about. And the, the guy who would have been my, well, the guy who was my boss interviewed me, and obviously I was an HR person. It was very, oh, it's, it's, it's massive, it's corporate. It's corporate, yeah. So it was you know, done very properly and officially and everything like that. And um, I, think I, I think I called in sick at sound control for the interview on the Wednesday. As you do. As you do, at the age of 20. I got a phone call that afternoon to get a second interview on the Friday.
2: Okay.
0: Which maybe I had off, or I think maybe I had, I had one of those days off yeah. where I was working. And, and anyway, and I, and I went in, uh, but the, the second interview, they immediately offered me the job. And,
1: amazing. And I went
0: for it and I did it. And I sounded by noticing a sound controller and when I worked at Yamaha. And it was an amazing job. And, you know, it, it was um, it was a real learning curve because I was young.
1: That is young to be in a high in a marketing job at a decent music firm. Like yeah, m- yeah. massive. I
0: levels. was twenty and and I was yeah. I was I was out of my I was out of my depth. Right. I was absolutely. Because you were in
1: marketing and you'd yeah. done a production degree.
0: Yeah, yeah. I didn't. You know, I could sell guitars, <laughs> but like you know, uh, you know, all of a sudden I was having to do like script writing and. And stuff like that, and it was like, I I have no experience in doing this. But like, you know, I suppose at the same time it's like, well, that kind of feeds into the rest of my life of like just say yes and work out the details but later. I, I
1: think that's the way to live.
0: I agree totally.
1: I think but but I don't know, it's it's just an inter- It's not the
0: easiest way to live. No,
1: we make our <laughs> lives fucking hard and we also it means you have to be comfortable failing quite spectacularly yeah. sometimes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I do
1: also think that gives more room for growth so it's not necessarily the best way to advance in something but it's a quick
0: way well I, I certainly wouldn't like I wouldn't recommend it but you know you also
1: wouldn't change the way you've done it but
0: I wouldn't change the way I've done it and I certainly wouldn't be sitting here right now if I had done it any differently yeah and like the Amar thing was amazing for for me in a lot of ways certainly at the time you know in terms of showing me that industry and I what did to, you
1: do with it so what
0: so uh, well, so day to day was dealing with like customer support inquiries. Um, I was dea- I was working trade shows. So you know, uh, uh, music live. You, do you ever been to like a music trade show? I've
1: actually, not. All right. Well, so I've seen some. Like yeah, I've, yeah. I've watched demos from trade shows. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I I'd, I'd go and I'd work those. There's a there's a great. Did you do demos? Oh yeah, I did a demo. Okay,
1: is that because I've seen you do Yamaha demos and I knew you were. Well, there's
0: only there's there's one that I'm particularly proud of. There's a Yamaha demo of me demonstrating a BB seven one four, which is in the depths of YouTube. Right. And I'm on. It was a it was a four day trade show, and I'm pretty sure this video happened either day three or day four. Right. And I was hanging. I was hanging out my ass and these guys pretty much walked up to me with a camera on and just started filming and wanted to know about the bass that was in my hand. And you can literally, you could. And see. And you're
1: demonstrating a bass?
0: Yeah. I'm demonst- oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Cause that's, that's what, that was the moment I was in. And so it yeah. was like, dance monkey, dance. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's. It, it, yeah watching it now it still makes me laugh and it has done ever since because you can you can literally see you, if you watch me you can see the moment where i'm like and go yeah. <laughs> like,
1: and okay perf- oh oh this is happening right okay here we are and yeah, yeah and
0: so it's quite funny to watch but um yeah i did a bit of that and then i think performers have this
1: internal button.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally Do you not
1: think you have this overdrive button? I've always said, and I think it's confused Like, I remember
0: With arrogance?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I was saying actually no I've confused ex-boyfriends before I I dated a guy called Tim And I remember we went and I was knackered I'd done all these rehearsals all week for musicals And stuff like that Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, I was like falling asleep in the car Like Mm -hmm. They were driving us to this gig of Two Door Cinema Club.
2: Right. Which
1: isn't that exciting for you guys before South Africa to have an international band? And, of like, co- of course you were I was it's super excited. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyways, so I'm like falling asleep, barely can form a sentence. And we get to the gig and I go, okay, let's go. And we start running to catch the band. And I remember later he spoke to me and I was like, I, I can't, what the fuck was that? Like, how, what? He was like, you but you would die what's were you, you were dying, faking it and, and then it was you like, were yeah and it was like i don't know there's just and it's the same with performance like i don't know if you feel that as well i think as a frontman you just have this internal overdrive button that you can put on
0: i don't know if that's to do with a performance thing i never really thought about it in films i don't know yeah but i i know what you're talking about 100 percent. i know what yeah. you're talking about it's like oh, okay we need to do this now right okay and, and you kind of you go to that place that you need to go and if you need to find some energy wherever you find it from yeah. you get it and you do what needs to be done
1: i mean maybe it's not a performance thing but i feel like it's always on with performance like there's very rarely that it doesn't turn on like yeah it can go to depths yeah 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 i'm sure you know that feeling when you've done a six-hour drive or whatever to a wedding or whatever
0: oh, i've done some i've done some messy drives what's your worst time. drive? worst drive oh man it was a combination of a lot of factors that that one the band I was in well the band the guys who were playing in the band with me at the time were going off with another band and doing some pretty tasty gigs at the time and um, one of them in particular was one of my best mates and was not we were having a bit of a particularly rocky patch I was having a particularly rocky patch personally and the gig was in the gig was in Edinburgh,
2: right?
0: And and there was money on the table, and I I made a I made a good chunk of I made a good wedge out of that gig, right? And and but I was kind of I I was I was what well, to be fair that that gig was was a, was a bit of a make or break gig for me. I was like oh, do you know I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. Like I'm 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 almost, I'm done.
1: I, oh right you were on the edge of was it all covers edge. was it just because Oh of... no it
0: was everything I was okay. like I, I was on the edge of just like that guitar's going to go on the wall now for a while
1: Really what what brought you to that stage
0: It was a it was
1: Was it relationshipy stuff you don't have to go into it.
0: There's there's a, there's a great quote which sums up where I was perfectly and it says before you diagnose yourself with anxiety and depression make sure you're not surrounded by assholes
1: <laughs> Love it,
0: right? Right. Okay. So, before I diagnosed myself with anxiety or depression, I was definitely surrounded by assholes. Right. But <laughs> so, but, so yeah, so like you know, I was, I was, yeah, you know, so yeah, and so I did this, I did this six-hour drive up to Edinburgh Oof. with these these guys that I didn't necessarily want to be in the room with, and. And I was dealing with a few other things at the time. And and uh, I didn't care about the money. The gig was all right, but the, the gig wasn't great. And the, the, the whole, all the time leading up to the whole summer of, of gigs before that had been like me just Depping people in and out to cover these guys where they went off and did all these other gigs. Right. So it was like everything was just really up in the air, really, really messy. And
1: just, just yeah, just always more effort.
0: Than yeah, it. yeah. It was like I I was busting my ass to get nowhere to to basically help everyone else do achieve their dreams. Yeah. And I was like doing the stuff that I didn't want to do. Were like you fronting I was, all these gigs? Yeah, I was fronting all these gigs. Yeah? All these gigs
1: out yeah. of interest, were you making more money? Or was it equally shared between?
0: Uh, that gig, that one particular gig, I definitely made more money than okay. everyone. But was that
1: because you were driving super far.
0: No, because they drove just as oh, far okay. as I did. But that one gig, that 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 one gig, I was like, I'm going to pay myself a stupid sum of money because I can, because I want to see if that makes any difference to me. Personally. right to
1: how I feel yeah, about yeah. whether like this can is I or
0: can or I coerce it, right? it out of myself through financial incentive yeah. like you know is this about money you know what yeah. like you know I guess it was like a, no, I think that's a, a great processing thing it does thing. happen you go like,
1: am I angry at these people because like often with transporting or driving extra like, yeah yeah is am I angry at these people because they're making 20 quid that I think Extra twenty quid that I think I should be getting for petrol, or, yeah, likely, it was, or because they're making the same as me and I'm doing double the work. Yeah, yeah. Should I be getting an extra thirty? Yeah, yeah.
0: Percent. So the way the way the band always worked was that um, for the, for a very long time in particular, for a very long time, the way the band worked is um, there was a, there was always a we had like a finance deal paying for a PA kit or something, you know, whatever needed to be done to make the gig happen. And obviously if you're playing in a wedding band, you need a PA, you need a mixing desk, you need cables, you need microphones, you need public liability insurance. Everything needs to be pat tested, you know, all of these factors. And so there was a sum of money so we all we, we never I think I don't think anyone who played with me ever got paid less than 180 quid for a function gig.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? And it was very rarely that low. It was always 2 220 250 yeah. upwards. Right. You know. And so the guys no one was ever not looked after. Yeah. Like I know guys I I I I know of guys who will pay their musicians 150 quid for for a 1500 quid gig.
1: Oh my god.
0: So, right. you know. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, and and I mean, that's great business for that person, but
1: Yeah, but people but, find out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it comes down to us to it comes down to a degree of greed and whatever and yeah. y- what whatever. Like I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying on like I, I never did that. Yeah. It was always uh, if if I no, took reason- more money, it was because it was because there, I was paying for a PA kit, yeah, and it all. But kind it is one of. That but but you do go
1: through that moment sometimes, especially because it's always been interesting for me. Um, I've had this discussion with Tom Atkinson before, oh. like, where we discuss. It is different because, like, if I'm just coming to the gig as a singer, all I need to bring is a mic.
0: And Sometimes and not even that.
1: Sometimes not even that. Yeah. And you know, a guitarist is singing just as much. Let's say mm. it's a duo, or whatever. Yeah, they're singing just as much as I am, or you know, still close to, and they're playing guitar. And yeah, proper. it's really hard to quantify. But then you know, if you've got a drummer and they're just playing drums, but then they're bringing a drum kit and yeah. they've had to invest in that, so it's a really hard one to kind of go. Should everyone be equal? Should? But I, I agree with you in the sense that if you're not comfortable with it, I think as long as you're open and honest. Yeah,
0: yeah, you got to, you've got to be completely transparent about it.
1: Like, and sometimes there is a case like where I'll go look. I'm not taking this gig unless I get this much. Yeah, yeah, do absolutely. Do you still want to do it? Absolutely. Because that's what I can give
0: you. But the way I approach, the way I've always approached people more than, well, 99.9% of the time, the way I approach people is, I'll find out, I'll go, look, this is the gig, this is where it is, this is how much money it is, do you want it? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, cool.
1: But I do think there's a thing of like, as well, I mean, to a certain extent, I know a lot of people who don't won't say what they make or whether they make more, people know they make a bit more for yeah, being a yeah, frontman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in a trio setting where you're all playing equally and someone's yeah. got a
0: PA. So, uh, like I said, the the thing was, is like, if you really look at it, ultimately, I didn't take any more money than anyone else. I just took a bit, like, the, the PA was coming out of my bank account, and so, so you took the, the money PA you. got covered for. So, you know we all benefited from the PA, everyone knew about it, because well, yeah, that was was that's
1: the expense you were Yeah, take. exactly. So you didn't take any more money. So you were testing then to see is yeah, there yeah, a money. This thing? one
0: particular gig this one particular gig where I was I was having a particularly wonderful time yeah. all across the board and I was like, what you know and it was you know life is just a big experiment of the self or whatever I was like okay what happens if I you know is it about the money does that make a difference to me and, and it, really, it really didn't it yeah. really didn't make a blind a bit of difference and, and I I um, it's always about the gig the, the, the two other guys I was on the gig with they they stayed in Edinburgh that night because um, I did because they were like you know have you booked a place for us to stay and all this kind of thing. and I was like what to be honest I haven't known what I wanted to do yeah. like if you want to stay then get on the bookings.com and yeah. sort yourselves out and they were like blah, blah, or, you know right. whatever yeah. it's like and, and I, I drove back I'd, so I so I left Milton Keynes at midday uh, yeah. on the Saturday I
1: think Sam's done it before as well yeah yeah
0: I left Milton Keynes at midday on the saturday i arrived at the gig at six half six set up played the gig decided that I didn't want to be didn't want to be there
1: yeah
0: it was you know packed down. for a variety of reasons
1: mm.
0: not all them and i um and i and i drove home again
1: and probably what one a.m.
0: uh well yeah so i probably left edinburgh about one half, one yeah. maximum, and I drove through the night, and I got in at about, I think I got in at about seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Ouch, yeah. Fuck. But I mean, that was a. That was a. That's that,
1: still impressive time. Like I would have had to stop over for a nap.
0: I think I definitely did that as well. But yeah. Yeah.
1: That's right. But
0: yeah, no, that was um. That.
1: That was the worst one, probably because of the was, place you're in as well. Like yeah, yeah, and, and sometimes it's very different. I don't know if you feel that way. Like, um, it, It's something me and Sam often discuss is that, you know, as much as we talk about money a lot, and there's a lot of gigs we won't do for the money to yeah. a certain extent, it's never the money that makes you happy.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not the money. You can
1: have the shit as... If you have a great gig, it just goes. Absolutely. The world feels right
0: again. Absolutely. Mm. It's... Uh, ultimately. Ultimately, it doesn't matter, and you know. And, and, and the funny, I okay, get the funny thing was this is absolutely proven by this particular example. Like, yeah, I, I, you know, if I could make what I made that night every single night of the week, you like, I, yeah, I'd be balling. I'd be a hundred percent balling. It'd be ridiculous. I'd be on stupid money, but can't buy me love. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so we were talking about you moving out there on Starbucks, you went and worked at the Thingy, then you went and worked at Yamaha. Yamaha, yeah. So at what point did you get into then this covers run with Yamaha? Because you were working at Yamaha for, for how long? So I worked for Yamaha
0: for uh, just shy of three years, I think.
1: And you were doing trade shows, managing and in customer inquiries? Yeah,
0: dealing with artists, whatever needed to be done. Just right, did you enjoy that? Yeah, I loved it, it was great.
1: It was a great job. Did you get to play a lot?
0: Um, a bit, a bit. Yeah, I got to play a bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Did you practice a lot in your spare time, running bands, whatever?
0: Um, so the, that was that. Around the time I was in Yamaha, and kind of bleeding in from Sound Patrol into Yamaha, was when I set up, aka. Right. And I met and, and I did a couple of gigs with a couple of a couple of guys I'd always known in the kind of real early formation days, and then I I met, it would have been when I was at Sound Patrol, was when I met a drummer, was when I met Kev. met a drummer named Kev, who became the K in AKA. And um, we clicked very quickly, and I was like, do you want to start a band? You know, and and, and so we, and we we did. And then we were looking for a bass player, and we auditioned a few guys, and then we, we found, Kev found Alex Preston, um, God bless him. And and it kind of started from there. And we... I'd written a few songs and then... Kev was always a lot more aware of the cover. Kev was Kev was the one who introduced me to the covers world. Right. He'd always gone... When well, you
1: realised you could make money, even if it was 60 quid at a pub or it was 180 at a wedding.
0: I didn't know about weddings. The wedding right. thing came later. So we so kev alex and i started playing playing around and we you know we're doing a few originals and stuff like that and i was playing a lot of open mic nights at the time and i was getting around and i was trying to meet people and you know expand the circle and and ultimately that's what every musician needs to do is go around and play open mics and meet people right you know if there's a certainly in your at this point it's totally fine to be like well that, mon- that gig's only that much money I'm not going to do it I can't be asked with it but there is certainly I believe a point in time in every musician's life where if there's a gig you need to go and do it yeah like if, I don't care how much money it's for like you, you go and do it
1: yeah 100%
0: and so we started doing that and, and in Milton Keynes it was, it was really interesting for us at that time because <laughs> no one was getting paid for gigs in Milton Keynes when we started when AKA oh, wow. started
1: you're talking covers bands or
0: so there were a few there was a very small handful of covers bands so I mean, i'm talking 2008 2009 Milton Keynes is a very unique place upon itself but there was there was a there was a few cover bands that kev knew that had kind of been on the scene for a while and that you know there was we're not talking many there was just a handful of cover yeah. bands doing a handful of pub gigs and right. And no one, no one else was getting paid. No original bands were getting paid. Shit. No, there was no new cover bands coming up. Like there was, there was nothing. Yes. The scene was essentially dead. Yeah. And there was a, you know, a couple of open mic nights that were really kind of beginning to form and have certainly since that time blossomed. But at, at that particular time, there was nothing. Yeah. And so we were at the time these. Twenty-one-year-old kids walking into pubs, going, "I've got a band." Yeah, give us hundred and fifty quid. Yeah, go and play a gig. And the and the fucking hilarious thing about it is, everyone around me at that point to do with music thought I was an asshole because I was going because I was asking for money. So, well, you should just do money. Not even the originals covers thing. Like not even that argument, right? This is this is yeah. like it's like next level from that argument. It's like what you 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 want to be paid to play music?
1: What an yeah asshole. yeah I know yeah. I know what an
0: asshole. It's like you know that thing I've dedicated like years of my time to and I'm providing a service for and blah blah blah. Yeah. All, you, know, all, you know all the stuff that we know inherently now. Yeah. Like where, yeah, where I come from, it was like I had to fight to be accepted to be even paid to play to do what I right. do. Right because no one else no one else has even thought about it no one was right. doing that no one my age and in my my immediate group of people music, musicians around me were getting paid to play music
1: right but but the the older guys were they
0: were a, yeah, a small the, the dudes in their 50s who I didn't really know but Kev certainly knew and that was yeah. the thing that kind of bled through to me and so, yeah, we picked So up. when you
1: went out, what was the first, like, what was the reaction of these pubs? Like, did you eventually get some... They were, they were like... Because I imagine they'd also be quite keen for some new blood.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it took a bit...
1: Some people might be surprised and be like, oh, we don't have that kind of money. But there's a couple who might be like, do you know what, we'll give it a go.
0: Yeah, and they, they did, thank God. Them. Yeah. They did. And, and we, we did, I, you know, in terms of, you know how I would look at music now, obviously it wasn't that good, but in terms of what, we, what it was, what we were doing, and the environment in which it came from at the time, yeah. it, was it was amazing. Yeah. And it blew, peop- it blew people away, I of think. Of course,
1: yeah. No. Because
0: no one expected it.
1: Well, 100% if you've got all these old guys going around playing the same thing yeah. and you've got these young kids on the block
0: I mean it who pissed off show. just I mean it pissed off more people than it impressed right. Don't get me wrong <laughs> because like yeah there, you know there was the old guys who were like who oh, are these fucking young whippersnappers They can't play And
1: you haven't learned a yeah, yeah. song in
0: and who I, who I, You know I did a few gigs with a you know down the line or whatever But as, as life plays out yeah. but yeah yeah the, the funny thing the funniest thing for me was was the the resistance I got from musicians around me of what what you you want to be paid to play music funny. and it was it it changed over a, about a, well i I remember the change specifically because there was a guy who asked me to play a halloween gig right and he said and, and it was really funny how it played out actually because um, but by this point, Kev had left the band and okay. I'd got this other guy called Matt come in. Right. And Matt was like, look, look, I'll do any gig you want. Like, you know, and he did a couple of freebies for me when I really needed, like I had a couple of higher profile for me at 20 yeah. gigs at the time. And he said, look, you know, I'll play any gig you want, but you know, really I need, you know, I need 50 quid just yeah. to, you know, cover my ass really.
1: But that, yeah, that's a very...
0: Yeah, 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 totally. And and the bass player whose dad had always been a um, his always dad had always been a working musician you know he'd come much from from that environment right. he was like well, you know I kind of need the same to be honest with you yeah. and so I was in this situation where it's like right well if I want to go and do a gig I need to make a hundred pounds minimum to even go do a gig yeah,
2: and so this guy
0: know. this guy came to me and he was like you know, I, you know we've got this we've got this um, Halloween gig we'd really love you to play it. Like, will you do it? And I was like, look, man, like, absolutely. I'd love to do it. I'm more than happy to do it. But I have to pay the musicians who are in the band. So it's like, I'll do it for fucking free because I'm young and I want to play and I don't give a shit. I just want to play. But like, I need to pay that guy. I need to pay that guy. So if you can cover that, I'm
2: there.
0: Right. 100% I'm there. And he was like, "Nah, you know, we've got a band coming from Wales playing for nothing, rah rah rah. rah you know, fuck you. You know what, paying." And, and well, I was like, don't
1: approach me, Dick." Well,
0: yeah. he he didn't know at the time, but I, but I remember this. I, I remember this as a specific changing moment for me, and it was like, and and I was like, "Cool, man. Like, cool. No worries. Not a oh, fuck you or anything like that. Just yeah. like, cool. I like." My hands are tied, I can't do anything about this situation. But also that
1: standard business negotiation is going, Oh, you don't want what I want for my price, that's cool. Yeah, so totally. Yeah. Do this.
0: Six months later, the same guy comes to me and he goes, We've got this gig in this, you know, local festival thing, carnival thing. I know you need to get paid, how much do you want? Because right. the gigs we had done had got such good feedback or whatever that it, after that period of six, eight months or whatever, you know, he came back and he was like, okay, so you need what money?
1: You yeah.
0: and, I, and, I, and, and I was the only band that got paid that entire fucking day.
1: So here's the thing. So my dad was having this argument with me, um, or like, and you see this argument a lot that people are like, are uh, young people going up for no money, they lower the market, blah, blah, blah. I don't think so. I think if you're good enough, people will eventually pay for you.
0: Yeah, well, um, the, the thing is, is there's a balance, right? And some, some shit-hot protege aside, right? I'd hope that I'd be better than them.
1: Yeah. Well, like, maybe there's going
0: to be some 18-year-old who's a shit-hot, way-better-than-I-am kid who's amazing and is probably going to go on to do amazing things. Yeah. Right? That really niche moment aside... I fucking hope that I'm better than most of the 18 year olds coming up.
1: Precisely. So the people (laughs) going out for nothing, I don't think they're lowering the market. They're just making, there is a certain extent to which they are a hundred percent. Well, and the more musicians who, the more good musicians who accept 50 quid, the more venues don't need to pay more. But I do also think that if you're good enough, if you make yourself worth that much, people will eventually go, okay, what do you want?
0: it's a yeah yeah I it's agree, a, I it's, agree a it's a balancing act yeah. it's a balancing act at the end of the day it's business in the same oh sorry do you want some vodka yep. yeah there you go sounds great the, um, at the end of the day it's a balancing act and you know I've you know I've, I've negotiated a lot of gigs and well you
1: obviously have what I didn't know about you is that you have quite a strong background of business really
0: well I, y- okay. yeah I guess because of
1: the Yamaha stuff that's, that's yeah the Yamaha is.
0: the Yamaha was a thing yeah do you want the orange juice yeah. yes
1: please
0: yeah I but because you know like I said you know, my family weren't musicians they played a bit but yeah. I didn't know that the I didn't that root in life wasn't something that I knew about before I found it and I didn't know that was possible yeah you know, like I know guys and obviously your dad was a musician, so like your dad was probably doing I grew it. Up knowing yeah, that you was knew a yeah, group exactly. Group. You knew it was a thing. Whereas not only did I not know it was a thing, the environment which I came up from didn't accept that as a as a reality.
1: But and I think those... then I had
0: to find my way to make it even possible in the first
1: but place. But those different careers I think help you within music.
0: Oh yeah, totally.
1: So okay. Right. So you did AKA. Yeah. You worked out and you could get paid. Yeah. And you managed to start charging. Uh-huh. And then at what point then at some point weddings came into the picture.
0: Right. So weddings came so there were two things happened at exactly the same time. The 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 ultimate core of those repercussions came from me signing on and paying to a website called Star Now.
1: Right. It's interesting. Clearly, you've heard of yeah. Star now has been a very for most people. We'll go into in my opinion. Well, yeah. you know, so we I, sign to Star. Now. I
0: don't know what it's like now. I haven't looked at it in years, but I just I went on. To, I I stumbled upon it somehow, and I took a risk of six ninety nine a month or whatever yeah. it was at the time, and I sent my you know I applied out to a few people, and two people came back. One was the Amateurs, a band I played in for years, and that's how I met Jimmy. Right. Jimmy was the drummer of the Amateurs. They didn't a guitar player, original band, who were doing, you know, they were based in Birmingham. I was obviously in Milton Keynes, and that, that came around. Right. And the other thing that happened was um, someone who I later realized was a booking agent, but was looking for depth guitar players for her band, she wanted someone to cover depth for her band playing guitar for her wedding band but she was also a booking agent so I joined the amateurs which was which was one massive avenue in my life of course but then the other thing that happened and I, and I to this day I remember that I remember I was sat in, in the office at Yamaha and I was speaking to her on the phone and I was you know chatting to her about you know what she wanted and what you know what she expected and what she needed and yeah. you know oh you're in a band as well oh well you know I can get you some wedding gigs and um, we'll pay you seven hundred and fifty pound a gig and I was oh, like for the
1: band
0: okay. yeah yeah for the band
1: sorry I had a moment yeah, yeah so no not just wow, for me that's fab
0: but like like we'd been we'd been barely making one fifty yeah like we were busting our ass to make one fifty and then this woman on the phone was like we will pay you seven hundred fifty pound for the band and I was like yeah. Hold my words back, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. No worries at all. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great. We'll go out for that. No worries at all. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. And you know. And so, literally, in the course of this phone call, this hundred and fifty pounds at a push band was suddenly going out for seven hundred and fifty right. quid. So
1: that's
0: huge. Which, yeah. Which is what you know, four or five times as much. Five times as much.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is hilarious amazing So then it was like, so so then um, so we did a, yeah we did a few of those gigs and I joined the amateurs
1: out of interest sorry because this was just a bit before uh, everything was uh, necessarily as is now. Did you have to do a video? Because of now of course now nothing goes out without mm. a video promo. Uh,
0: so actually yeah this was bef- this was pre- all this was pre-video. So there's we um, AKA oh, sorry. sorry AKA originally did. A couple of studio sessions, and we went out to the pubs that we were trying to book gigs with with a fucking CD. Right. With a CDR that we'd burnt the things on. This is us. Here's our printed out bio. Here's a CD. Give us a gig, mate, please. These 21 year old kids. And we did a cover of Johnny Be Good, and we did a cover of My Generation. Great tune. Great tunes. And to this day I've made more money from I, I, my, my mate was working in a studio at the time in Northampton and he he there was like a they were doing a deal on like a four hour session on a weeknight. Yeah. And it was like forty quid for four hours on a weeknight. And I've made more money from those that one four hour session recording yeah. Johnny be good in my my generation, which is which if you look for it are still around different places. Yeah. Like, than I have on any other piece of music I've ever done, recorded, or anything. Well,
1: that's funny because now it's all video.
0: Yeah, exactly. Everything's
1: video. Everything's video. My, my, it's my promo videos, my wedding band promo videos, the stuff. Yeah, like yeah. You collect that rather than demos. Yeah. And like, I was speaking to my dad because I, I went home and I picked up a gig at this local piano bar. Well, piano bar. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Congress, you know, like, jazz bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a jazz bar. But, like, um, Place called Chicago's in a Okay. like a nice little venue, and they'd, yeah, they'd yeah. just started. And I just emailed them and got, you know, I know Facebook messaged them mm. my video and I like got a gig within a week. And dad was like, Well, hmm, like, oh, how do you do that? And I said, That's the way it works now.
0: Okay. That, yeah, that is, you know, like, you know, when I was at uni and we were in bands, it was all about MySpace.
1: Fuck
2: yeah.
0: You know, one of the amazing things, really, in terms of one of the things that really makes you think about how it, things are and where it's all going is was was that moment where MySpace became complete. That, for MySpace, which was the thing that made, which was the thing that everyone did, and especially yeah. if you are in a band, and the Arctic Monkeys became massive off the back of MySpace, whether or how, whatever true or false that actually is, yeah. you know, that was a thing. And then then all of a sudden, that became nothing, and it was Facebook overnight.
1: Yeah. It feels like overnight.
0: It, it borderline overnight. was. Oh,
1: yeah. Man, it's weird. Okay, so um, you finally, so you started doing weddings. Yes,
0: we started doing weddings. Um, Shall we
1: Good time to go into craziest client story? Which you did tell me the other night.
0: Craziest what?
1: Craziest client story.
0: Which story did I tell you the other night? Oh, i got a few.
1: Were you that pissed? Probably. <laughs> um, you told me about um, your dance-off.
0: The one-legged dance-off?
1: Yeah, well, you've ruined the punchline now.
0: All right, well, okay, so, yeah, so... Well, okay, I'll tell you the full story, because, so, we did a, So, the, the, following on from what I just said about getting offered those wedding gigs, yeah. we signed on to this agency, and we, we started doing a couple of weddings, and maybe the second... The, the first one I had some really good guys playing with me, certainly... Then maybe the, certainly what, second, third, fourth, it was very, very, very early days. Um, I'd got a mate of mine I went to school with playing bass and someone else, don't even remember, on drums. It it was a lot more blagged. And I remember that we'd got maybe, you know, we'd got the first set planned out. And I have a vague recollection that we blasted through that hour set in about 25 minutes. Right. So, so a level of improvisation had to happen yes. at, at that point, and and somehow through the grace of God, people the, the crowd that was there at the time just started doing their own little dance off, and so I, in, you know, a moment of pure frontman spontaneity was like I, I jumped on this situation yeah. and like I started giving
1: me something yeah, to yeah, yeah exactly. Yes, yes exactly
0: <laughs> and so like I started just like you know interacting with them getting different people to dance against each other and blah, 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 this kind of thing you know we got we and, and, and that was that was the point where it was born and it became an absolute staple of the wedding set and we'd yeah. do a dance off we'd play Give Me Some Loving by Spencer Davis group yeah and I after think. the second chorus, we drop down and I'd introduce this dancer. I'm so
1: nicking this, by the way.
0: I don't think you'd be the first. <laughs> like, Like, if I'd have thought about it, I'd have done it to Footloose.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. But, um, and so. Thank you. I'm going to take that to yeah, the Yeah, yeah, no, It's good. <laughs> it's, 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 it's work so, like. 99 times out of a hundred is the highlight of the night and it right. works like a charm so we um, the the way it eventually worked was I get the was uh, obviously that after that point we did it every single gig yeah and so I've done it hundreds of times yeah. but it like, and it, it it works best at a wedding
1: oh there's some things that do it there? It's just there's a couple of things I do at weddings like yeah I, I like I have the thing that my kind of go to wedding yeah yeah yeah, is yeah. get the um, bride and groom on chairs uh, during Don't Look Back in Anger last song and okay and yeah stand and I get everyone to applaud and sing to them and they do a kiss nice. or
0: whatever yeah you yeah no but
1: my dad did one and I've only stolen it once because I don't know how big the garter thing is and. UK
0: not a big thing it's
1: not a big thing and yet I did it once and I because I said to my dad you know what screw it I'll do it because dad said you gotta do it every time you do the bouquet you do the garter, or whatever and so I got her to, you know put a leg up on a chair and him to take it off her. I don't know what I did in the middle of something yeah. easy to break down like uh, white stripes or something yeah um so did you just oh you're just getting a bit hot no
0: well, that and I just no, this is good. Keep going. Okay. I'll just like piss off all my housemates.
1: Oh, fair enough. <laughs> it's necessary sometimes. It's fine. Um, so Why not I'll be fine? What? <laughs> it will be fine. Um, no. Uh, so yeah, but like, um, and I did it once and it really went down well, but I do, I mean, we'll discuss later, but I do want to ask when you kind of came to that frontman realization of involving the audience because you're quite good at audience interaction and i'm like i don't know I, some people say you're born with it i think you can learn it but i do think there is an element to which some people are inclined i don't know
0: it would be really nice to say that i'm born with it and i'm special and i'm fantastic it'd be so nice to say right that. <laughs> and i don't know like you but know, it's
1: harder to teach.
0: I I know that I can sell things well. I like I I know that I've done front manning an awful lot. I know that I'm pretty quick on my feet if I need to be in terms of my mouth. You know, <laughs>
1: ladies.
0: <laughs> yeah, ladies. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. Do you think?
1: Did you? Were you automatically a frontman? Were you automatically talking to another? Because there are some people who aren't as automatic with it, but they can learn it. There are. I do think it can be learned. I think anything can be learned. Some people, the same way, some people aren't as good as maths, but they can learn to be better. Mm. Some people aren't as good at fronting, can learn to. Be I
0: better. think I just. Did I th- you always do it? Yeah, I think I just. You just, just got did on it. stage and just. I just got on stage. I improv- think I just did it. Yeah. Did you?
1: Did was there anyone you modelled it after? Was there anyone you watched and you thought? At yeah. Any point saw that I can do this improv I don't have to do a rehearsed thing.
0: Um, if I modelled my front manning ability off of anyone, I would say it was Robbie Williams, which
1: which is a great example because he's stellar.
0: Yeah, Robbie Williams is amazing. He's, he's, he's you know, one of the greatest front men of our time. You know, I should
1: watch more of his live shows. But every time I have, I was I very lucky.
0: My first proper gig was going to watch Robbie Williams at Nebworth, which is amazing. I, I think to this day one of the certainly one of the biggest gigs in the UK ever oh really it's like 135,000 people which which to be witness of is insane because it's just a sea of people it was yeah. mental and that was so that was my that was my first proper gig that's
1: sick yeah in
0: 2001 I think it was yeah but um yeah so if if there were you know yeah if, if, if it,
1: it did come off anyone if it, came off, it if it
0: came off anyone then it was him 100% which is great yeah but um, Yeah I think that I just kind of You know When you find yourself in the shit You start to improvise Don't you <laughs> So was like, it just
1: because Maybe Maybe well, it's coming from a perspective Of not having an Avid model Of this is how you do covers So you just had to wing it Well yeah I, like I didn't so
0: you don't I hadn't seen that many covers bands Before I be- was in a cover band I didn't have the I didn't have You know I didn't go to a club and watch a hundred cover bands growing up or anything you yeah, know
1: not watching the dubai kind
0: of well yeah you're talking, you're, or, or whatever or even yeah but like I, I didn't know about that stuff so I just kind of found it on my own Fair.
1: right so you did this gig and you've you formed the dance off you became formed the thing. dance off
0: and, 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 and over, the, over the period of time over, over the course of doing it you know a hundred times it, it really developed a a Script almost,
1: yeah, it does, as it does, and that's the thing again. That's why I think it's it's, it's learnable. Mm. Like the shit I say on the mic, I repeat, any band I've worked with for a long time knows it's repetitive, yeah, to an audience, it's new, it's individual, yes, because no one else does yes. it. But like it, you know, as much as I want to think that I'm super original, I'm fucking not. I've 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 I wrote it and I push boundaries sometimes, and sometimes it works, sometimes yeah. it fails spectacularly, yeah, but once you find something that works, you you do it again and then yeah, yeah. you refine it
0: absolutely because that's the job yeah. you're there to entertain at the end of the day
1: and you learn it and you learn I think like I think there's a lot of a strong relationship between covers and stand up comedy I think that's where our creativity okay so
0: here's is. okay stand up comedy is one thing and I, I I have a massive amount of respect for stand up comedians I think they're the smartest people in any room 100% agree but the reality is, when we are playing in covers bands, we're not playing in the music industry, we're playing in the entertainment industry.
1: 100% agree. Yeah.
0: So, like, there's a difference between the music industry and the entertainment industry. Two very big differences. And and I would say I was, I, I would say I could entertain better than... Most. Most. I think, I, yeah, I, uh, that I think I've got down.
1: Mm. I'd, I'd almost disagree. I, I'd say the music industry is more the entertainment industry than... Well, the, the music industry
0: ultimately is the entertainment industry to a degree. It's all one of the same, but...
1: It, the covers industry specifically is more focused on yeah.
0: performance. Yeah,
1: yeah, This absolutely. isn't omnidirectional, so if you're behind the mic, you can't hear me. Well, that's
0: all right, I'm just closing the door. You probably
1: can, because this room is so echoed. <laughs>
0: it's one big echo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the music industry is still the entertainment industry but to a degree, know but the covers industry is 100% the entertainment industry. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. Right, okay, so sorry, I keep on interrupting. You, you did fine. the dance-off, you wrote this, it became a script.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you start with the best man, because the best man's the person who's most prepared in the room to make a twat of himself. <laughs> and if he's not, he's jolly well about to be. Yeah. And then you go to the bridesmaids, and you get the best man to compete against the bridesmaids. Then you get the crowd to cheer for the best man, and the crowd to cheer for the bridesmaids. Yeah. Then you get the parents of the bride and groom, unless one of them is dead, because that can happen. <laughs> right. Which so that it changed from the parents of the bride and groom to the family of the so bride. So that
1: and groom. you learned that through yeah I that wrong through ones. sticking yes. my
0: foot in my mouth a few too many times. <laughs> right. As obviously as brutal as that sounds, it's like yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, then no, you have well, to be slightly principal. aware of. But
1: but true that. But that's the only way. The, these are. It's that type of shit that experience teaches you that nothing else. can yeah, yeah, absolutely. Out. It's like you know what I mean. It's like,
0: like <laughs> you see it. It's like we'll have the parents of the bride and the groom now, please. And then someone comes up and walks to you and go walks into your ear and goes, uh, the bride's parents are dead. Like maybe you should come up with something better than that now. and I'm like, we'll have the family of the bride and groom now, please. <laughs> and it's like. She's an awesome <laughs> the yeah, She's an awful, yeah, 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 like uh, that, that. Fortunately, that never happened. Like there wasn't yeah. that extreme, didn't happen.
1: But still, but
0: it's, yeah, those those situations are a genuine yeah. thing that clearly I've encountered. And so you get the but, but you get the parents or the family of the bride and groom to come up next, and then you get the bride and the groom, and and after each after each, so you get the uh, you get the best man and the bridesmaids, and you get the crowd to cheer for each one of them. Then you get the parents or the family of the bride and groom. Then you get the crowds cheer for each one of them. So yes. like, let's hear it for the bride's family. Ah, we get to hear it for the groom's family. Yeah, oh, you know, oh, that's it's the like groom's family. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then you get the, and then you get the bride and the groom. You do the groom first, and and then you get the bride, and and you you play you play on the you play on the bullshit of, well, you play on the fact that the bride's going to win, because the bride always wins. Yes because getting... she fucking or well should do
1: yeah but but but, but you go with whatever stereotype you go for and as yeah. long as you play right but this is where I think what we do relates to stand up comedy because we are writing a lot of if you're really entertaining it's, it's that improvisation improvisational mm-hmm. imp, like element right, of Africa. being able to oh, I was Australian. carry on it's being able to react to okay like people didn't cheer as much for the bride I said excuse me this is the bride's day have you not been trained have you not been giving a manual yeah you yeah exactly some shit like yeah exactly and you don't realise it but you're actually like not that I could ever compete with a stand up comedian but like I always want to go for lessons like I want to have a stand up comedian on the podcast because I want to learn lessons yeah. because I think that's where I draw a lot of my entertainment it's very yeah scary. yeah yeah but anyway so you did the
0: yeah and, and you know you get, the, you, you get the you get the groom up and you kind of encourage the proud to give a you know their finest golf clap and then you get the bride up yeah. and, and and it's funny with the, with the band get involved with it and like you know when the when, you, when the moment of the cheering with because because the band's still playing yeah. while this is all going on because you never let the music because the the best way to talk to the audience is with some with level of sound
1: with a vamp.
0: yeah yeah you need some level of sound okay like silent like talking over silence it gets to a point of awkwardness whereas talking over vamping or anything yeah. is is work. did you they ever
1: don't. find your band got uncomfortable with how long you draw out of vamp I don't care good but, but did you find that they did because if they I, did I they
0: it. didn't tell me and and if they did feel uncomfortable I don't care
1: right because they don't know what's
0: because it's because because the, right, right, th- the thing is is if they're doing it and it gets to a point where it's uncomfortable for them and they can't see the bigger picture of what's actually happening in front of them yeah then they're fucking idiots right because because certainly like like the, the, the dance off situation it worked every time but the rest of the time we were a covers band and we were playing the, the songs people wanted to hear
1: but I know but sometimes people because the, I mean maybe from my perspective
0: mm. like
1: certain things take a while to set up one of the biggest things I learned in China is that slow down take your time to let people know what's going on it was never as much okay you're going to sing this up. you've got to go right what we're doing over this fact what we're doing now is we're going to get this happening and da, da da and I think some I don't know I don't know I mean most of the people I work with get it but I don't know maybe I'm just paranoid that they feel uncomfortable
0: well fuck them
1: or maybe I take, <laughs> maybe I take too long. Maybe I take too long. To maybe
0: you know, I, you know, you you can you can self-criticise this sort of stuff all day. At the end of the day, and uh, you know, I, the, certainly the guys that I played with later on, when it had been when it got to the point where it was um, it was rehearsed and refined, you could see what was happening. Yeah, and you only need to do it once with me to to see how it's going to go because by that point it was pretty refined and I knew I was almost saying the same words every single time. Yeah. And do you
1: find, sorry, I'm interrupting, so do you find that people, if they haven't worked with you before, find it a new experience, how you run a gig?
0: Uh, I, I, maybe, but I don't necessarily think in a bad way.
1: I'm not saying necessarily in a bad way, but just in a like, oh shit, I have to be on a bit more on my toes or I have to listen more. Or, I
0: have to- yeah, but I, yeah, yeah, I, I guess, I guess, yeah, they do feel like that. Yeah, I guess they do feel like that. But have you I never think-
1: thought about it? Cause you'd like, this is just how I do
0: things. Nah, a bit of both. I, so I was playing a gig recently with a, I, was, I played a few gigs recently, and the, I did a couple of freelance gigs. And the band, the, I had one drummer and bass player, then a different drummer and bass player. And, then a drum and, bass player. and I, it's funny, like the, the different people, are, different people work in different ways, and different people are able to work in different ways. And mm-hmm. that's just a matter of management at the end of the day. But certainly. Some the certainly like a few of the guys I've worked with more recently on the more freelance basis, when I've kind of gone in a different direction that they're not prepared for and they can't be prepared for because I only just come up with this in this freaking moment. Yeah. You know, and it's like. Listen, stay with me. I don't actually care if you fuck up a few notes.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Like but, just, but we're going over here yeah, because I'll try
1: directed and if you fuck up, I'll blame me for not directing it well. Yeah, or, or whatever. If you fuck up, yeah. it won't matter.
0: Yeah, exactly. It doesn't it doesn't only matter because and this is the, this is the funny thing, right? People don't know. And, and I tell you what, this is this, is this is this is this is a thing of this is a thing in England in particular. Right, so I did a gig in Ramadan. I did a gig in Ramadan. Uh, so last May June time and I got had a couple of guys who I knew through Dubai come out and play with me and it was a really well paying gig Yeah. It was a really well paying, paying wedding in England and we'd never played together before ever but I knew we all knew our shit we were borrowing a PA kit which turned out to be shit oh. Right. the guitar amp I was using crackled and was basically no. fucked so it was like we sucked in what we would classify as good. All of us are great musicians. Well, they're great musicians. Well, I'm, uh, I'm yeah, me. Yeah, gonna, yeah, 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 yeah. But like you know, everyone.
1: Experienced, all professional. Everyone's you're an experienced. Yes,
0: exactly. Everyone involved was an ex- was an experienced pro, and and we smashed the gig, but we t- for the audience.
1: But for your standards of course not.
0: not in the slightest but i i kind of went along with it as a again a kind of experiment and i think i think experimentation in life business and music is equally important
1: risk-taking is huge
0: yeah it's like look i've got this gig we're all available to do it we can make this happen just about through the skin of our teeth and it bloody well was mm-hmm. right but the client was happy, they paid us, and everyone had a great time. So where's, where, where, where was it wrong? And it certainly it wasn't wrong because, because all the boxes were ticked. But we, we sucked because of a variety of reasons. Yeah. And, you know, Someone through, not
1: knowing the way you do a song and being or whatever, the like, or just a moment where someone's gone, oh fuck! I usually do it in this key, and I've started in the wrong. key Yeah, but and
0: that it. and equipment and stuff. You know, it was it was so it was a multifaceted. Not being issue. on
1: the gear you're used to fucks you up. It makes you feel so uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, yeah, ge- yeah, ge- having. Well, you know, gear is a different conversation altogether. But yeah, yeah, you know, having gear that you're used to, comfortable with, and that you feel it's not
1: necessarily the right gear. It's gear that you're comfortable. Yeah That you know how to make At least work Yeah And if you're on new shit It does fuck you up
0: Yeah yeah totally But like I do
1: believe I 100% agree with you That like uh, If you've got good musos You're usually fine
0: Yeah but The the thing that I basically tested Was A theory of English people Are really they, They have a very Very low bar For Quality live music
1: You say English people But I'd say It's most of the
0: world Do you know what Maybe you're right I People don't. have a very I've, low I've bar for what great live music is. So we went in... But also, w-
1: why you're not getting paid that much. We're getting paid well for weddings.
0: Granted. Well, this gig was, was 300 quid a man.
1: Yeah. Great. pretty That's good. That's good. It is pretty good. It is. So, fun.
0: you know, sorry for sucking. <laughs>
1: but, no, but, but yeah, but 300 quid a man is good money. Yeah. It is good money. It's great money for a gig, but also it's not fucking... Mm. Stevie Wonder money. No, so, you're right. So so what it's I mean. It's not cold is that,
0: at New Year's money. Yeah, but yeah.
1: You know what I mean? So it's not like yes, it's good money for what we do, but at the same time for the amount we invest, the amount we spend on Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. amount we spend on our whatever. So it's not that I don't mean to say like I am incredibly grateful for any work and I love what we do and I love what I do and I do sometimes feel guilty when I know relatively the little amount of work that's gone into a specific gig. Mm. Because you know, yes, I've paid over three hundred gigs in certain years of my mm-hmm. life. But, you know, the fact that I didn't rehearse the songs that they requested is probably quite bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: know, but I do just think like as long as you put I don't know, it's just if you say relatively good music, some people and it's like especially with the way I run Crown,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is very improvisational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like there's a lot of shit that goes down that saves that is horrifically embarrassing for all of us Mm -hmm. but people detect that authenticity they yeah yeah there is that i think you say the english are notoriously crap i think weddings are notoriously crap because they're all pissed
0: out true but like maybe people are just i find
1: with a maybe or they just don't know true yeah i don't know the details of what makes a fine wine
0: no, you're right. You no, know, do I. That
1: doesn't make me an idiot. It I know it
0: gets me drunk. Mess.
1: And I don't care. And I'll drink the cheapest shit in the bank. Yeah, there is that. And t- the same with bands. But I do think what's funny is people will notice entertainment. People will notice whether you're enjoying yourself. My dad's always said that.
0: Yeah, yeah you're, no, you're right. If
1: you're not having fun on stage, then then you've got a
0: problem. Yeah, you know, you're right. I do, I do equally, on the flip side to that, while I agree with everything you just said through experience or whatever, I do think when you, when, you go, when you go back with the full package, that's the back door. Is that Paul Dennis? Is that Paul That's a fat in. Okay.
1: Hello. Oh when you go goodness.
0: back with a full package, it's a different thing altogether.
1: 100%. No, and there's nothing greater than being with a tight band who you trust. Whenever I get back with my wedding band and like, we play together again, yeah, like, yeah. we know how each other works. Yeah, we yeah. know each other's nuances, even if we're not the perfect. Oh wait, we'll pause this for a second. Yeah, good idea. Sorry, uh, we've got a pause Dennis in the house. And we're back.
0: Cool. He's
1: had a cigarette. I've had some Chana. Chana? Spicy chickpeas. Oh yeah, that. And we've had more vodka. So this is going to get entertaining for the last hour.
0: Oh, some more Pringles too, they were great.
1: Yeah, man. Gonna get... oh burping. Question me. Right, okay. <laughs> Uh, You need to finish your story About your craziest line story Mm. So you were doing Your big dance off No one had died
0: Well one woman did Break her kneecap But that's a different story altogether.
1: You didn't tell me that
0: Yeah it's different I've got plenty of stories (laughs) No so My favourite dance off story Was We were doing the dance off We started with the best man And it was a It was a squaddy wedding So like a military wedding Yeah And the best man started Dancing, you know introducing like, you know best man do the best moves and he started dancing. He started break dancing He was spinning around. He was doing all this crazy stuff and then um, He he pulled up his trouser leg and he revealed this prosthetic leg And he was like whoa, that's crazy. Yeah then <laughs> He unscrewed his prosthetic oh, leg picked it up in his hand Pointed it at me Hopped over to me Pointing the leg in my face And play it said Play Don't Stop Believing Right fucking now
1: <laughs> So naturally The dance off was halted so, And that's what you so did So the dance off died
0: <laughs> And it was like how do we deal with this? And like the bass player kind of knew a, a bass solo version of "Don't Stop Believing," and we just kind of blagged it. Oh, really? And then we played some Hendrix, and he was air guitar. And the groom was air guitaring with the best man's freaking prosthetic leg. <laughs> and we- so yeah, shit got left field.
1: That's fantastic. Shit
0: got left field.
1: Naturally, they loved it.
0: Yeah, it was just a mental moment. A mental moment.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Right, what other stories? Who, why did someone break their kneecap?
0: Oh, well, fortunately, this, this was, this, fortunately, in terms of public liability, this wasn't the dance-off. But we did, we, did, we, did, we did this wedding a couple of years ago, like a few years ago, however long ago it was, and we were playing, I'm pretty sure we were playing Get Lucky, and the bride was dancing, and then all of a sudden, she wasn't, and she was on the floor, and then everyone was crowding around her. And so they were like, stop the music, stop the music. And the bride had fractured her leg. And so we were in this position where we were stood there in the middle of a set with the bride on the floor with a fractured God knows what, not playing, but not sure whether we should stop playing. Or carry on playing Yeah Or what was going like on you're not
1: putting on The in between music Yeah yeah and, like...
0: and so we just kind of Started like Just chatting to the room With this bride With a fucked up leg On the floor oh, And like we played A couple of like Gentle songs And it was just The weirdest The weirdest moment Was that
1: during Your first set?
0: second fortunately okay so you're it's close like, to at, the at end. least we've earned our money by this point but like you know you sometimes sometimes if you're smart you know you'll you'll you you pay till midnight but you'll wrap up your second set at 11 p.m and you'll you spend the last hour packing down with a bit of background music and you'll get away straight across at right? midnight like if you really want to play the game but um yeah no that so we were we were kind of stood with guitars in our hand right up to the last minute just like what is going on and well, the, the ambulance was on its way and, and oh it was my just God. And, obviously and other the,
1: people of course don't don't feel right to party there yeah
0: and the mood had soured because obviously she was on the floor in pain and you know all oh this sort God. of so that was a particularly weird situation that was what's
1: the situation.
0: most drunkest bride? I don't know about the most drunkest bride but now you mention it uh, there was a time that we sat up, the, the groom had gone to sleep, passed out drunk, and we sat up drinking whiskey with a bride, we'd we got an um, accommodation with the yeah. gig, and we were sat up drinking whiskey with the bride until about 4 or 5am oh, after that the gig. amazing. I do remember that one.
1: We got off a of cocaine times one time. I've been
0: asked for cocaine many times
1: oh really my bandmates have but I haven't the boys have enough yeah. i because they of course look a lot the, in
0: fact that's the best I one have. was I was playing a retired police I was playing a police woman's retirement party
1: right okay. and that
0: was the time I got most notably asked for if I had <laughs> cocaine it's like
1: oh standard
0: like that's not my kettle of fish anyway but you know, to each their own or whatever. Well, yeah. But I
1: think if personalities like you or I did cocaine, we'd explode.
0: People who... It would be, be Hiroshima. People who know cocaine better than I have certainly said to me on various occasions, the idea of you doing cocaine scares the shit Terrifying. out of me. <laughs> so I just have
1: such an addictive personality, I can't.
0: Well, the, my, for cocaine, for me, you've heard the Robin Williams, Robin Williams quote. It's like... Um, cocaine is God's way of saying that you're making too much money
1: ah yes I have it's really good I just watched his documentary on the plane over he's
0: amazing fucking love him oh so great did is. you watch his documentary I don't know if I've seen the documentary I
1: don't know what it's called it's worth watching okay like, I don't know if it's on Netflix but it was on the plane yeah
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no that I'd watch that it's really good yeah, he, oh, he's amazing I think he's fantastic Aladdin
1: I just love stand up comics I just think
0: they're all he I, oh, he's one of the greatest of all time
1: watch the documentary it's really super fucking cool okay anyway sorry okay so we're on craziest client story what else did i want okay you don't learn songs but when you do learn songs how do you learn them
0: by sitting and spending hours making sure i get it right
1: do you write it out do you chart it properly do you like
0: so well i guess it's two it depends on the song and it depends on the level of ability and it depends on how far i want to take it that i'm happy with what i'm playing and it depends on the the bigger picture so all right so this week is december i've been learning fairy tale of new york
1: right
0: and and i wanted to get it right and it's a great tune obviously i don't play accordion so i'm essentially doing the accordion part on piano, but it's not, but it's not just the accordion part because the accordion is only really doing the melody. So I'm doing an, a, a variation of the melody plus the chords and it's kind of all encompassing each other. So the intro is on piano, but you know, it's all all kind of in one. And I think I have a, I think I have a bar for my, well, I think there's there's a band, there's a, there's a bar that the band expect me to be. There's a bar that I feel in myself that I want to meet for me to not feel like I'm shit. Sometimes there's a difference between those two bars and a compromise has to be found. Yeah. But on this occasion, I think, is one in particular where I set the bar for myself and I had to meet my own bar. Right. Like, right. I was like, this is the way I want to play it. Well, I
1: think if you care for a song, I and mean, that's a great... Of all the Christmas songs, that's actually a good one.
0: Well, Slade is the greatest Christmas song of all time, but I will accept a bit if someone says But it's to also me,
1: fairly easy to do. Uh,
0: yeah, it's all right. It's not, it's not the hardest. But I. But if someone says to me, Fairytale of New York is the greatest Christmas song of all time, I'll go, do you know what? Fair play. I respect that. Like, if, you come, if you come at me with many others, I'm going to be like, you're wrong and you're a prick. But... So, but I
1: think Christmas is a waste of time,
0: anyway. So, well, that's a different conversation altogether because I completely disagree. But I'm sure are
1: you a, are you a big? Christmas I'm a
0: fan? fucking i believer, man. I'm 100 a believer, I love Christmas. So Christmas is time for miracles.
1: I'm such a Jew. I'm just a Grinch.
0: You're a Grinch. I'm, sh- I'm like I'm pretty sure J- well Jews celebrate Hanukkah. Like you No, too Jews excelling?
1: don't celebrate Hanukkah. I am J- I am. Jewish. You're Jewish. Yes. Okay. But we don't celebrate because we're Jew-ish you,
0: you, You're kind of You're kind of a Jew You're jew Well you're Jew-ish. I'm, technically, <laughs>
1: well, I'm a technically a Jew I got my genetics tested even I'm 48.9% Ashkenazi Jew Okay That's why I have the Alzheimer's gene Which is fun
0: You have an Alzheimer's gene?
1: Yeah it just means I'm more prone to late onset though. It doesn't mean I'm going to get at 45
0: What's that one? Um, which is why
1: I probably shouldn't be eating all this shit And drinking vodka
0: I know a really, hey, good, huh? I know a really good Outsiders joke, but I appear to have forgotten it. Wee. And that wasn't even the joke. <laughs> there's a much better one. There's a there's a much better one, but I honestly can't remember how it goes, and I don't know what that means. Let's just leave that right there.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's go back because, like, the idea is that our friends are listening to this while driving to gigs, probably
0: hello friends
1: (laughs) we have them um so what i wanted to i did want to ask you is you did a bunch of original stuff so you were working for yamaha for years at what point did you leave yamaha
0: so i left yamaha in october 2010 and i was playing in a band called the amateurs i'd done a variety of original stuff before that but I kind of realised in, in the environment I was in at the time wasn't going to take original music where I wanted it to take so I joined the Amateurs which were based in Birmingham and so I would drive from Milton Keynes this to this was Birmingham. a Jimmy holiday This was, was, was Jimmy was it with Joe as well this was Jimmy uh, no Joe was well Joe played guitar with him for a couple of gigs but Joe wasn't ever officially properly actually in the band okay. but I obviously met Joe as a result of joining the Amateurs and hanging out with Jimmy and um so yeah, I, I would drive two, three times a week to Birmingham right. to go and rehearse and play and practice and hang out with these guys who played in a much better band than I was certainly um, playing in at the time yeah. in terms of everything really, I guess. And yeah, I, I, we did some really cool stuff. Um, we we recorded a lot of songs we wrote a lot of songs, we recorded a lot of songs
1: and you were supporting yourself with covers at this stage
0: I would, yeah so, so once I'd left Yamaha so I jo- I think I joined I joined the amateurs in maybe November 2009 and I left Yamaha in October 2010 and in that period of time I'd done a bunch of gigs with the amateurs and I spent a lot of time playing with the amateurs we'd done like video shoots and we were signing with management and god knows what else right okay and then we did a tour and when the tour this was
1: an originals tour
0: so we were supporting Eliza Doolittle
1: oh yeah
0: and um so we did that and um that was around the time where I was like I'm I'd run out of holiday entitlement for the year for the right. company because I'd used it for whatever I'd used it for, and I was like, and and my mum, God bless her, even though she'd probably deny it, was like, maybe you need to like do this and go all in, and it was okay. good, it was really time well because because she as she were you came, living at home? This was at this point I was living at home. There was a, I was living I, there was there was. I've moved out from home about I moved out from home about four times in my twenties at various points. I haven't lived at home for about five years. Four years. Yeah. But um five years. But um yeah, this was this was when this happened this was certainly a stint where I was still living at home. And um or living at home rather. And uh my mum said it was like, you know, maybe you need to about just doing this full time, and it was like, oh, thank God you said that because that's exactly where I was.
1: That's what I want to do, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, and I don't know how this is going to work, but like, here we go. And they, they, they certainly helped. They certainly contributed to supporting me in the first year while I found my feet. Um, but i you know, I, I, I made it work, and I very, you know, I wasn't making money from the original band. And any money the original band that the amateurs were making was getting invested straight back into the amateurs. So, yeah, very quickly it was like, well, you need to do some covers. And at that time, um, I had AKA. Jimmy had his own function band. Joe was playing in Jimmy's function band but had come over to Abu Dhabi to play out here.
1: Right, and then was
0: So I played guitar in Jimmy's function band. He played drums in my function band. We found a bass player that... Could do both, and that's how we did it.
2: Right.
0: And um, that yeah, for about and so I moved to Birmingham, and I was living, playing in the amateurs, doing all these covers, gigs, and and doing odds and bobs in Birmingham, and that's how we did it for for a while. And then Jimmy came out, came out. To, then Jimmy left Birmingham, came out to do contracts in Abu Dhabi, and Dubai, and China, and what yeah. Jimmy did, and I I I moved back to Milton Keynes.
1: Did you take over that function band then?
0: I certainly retook over my own function band. Right. Um, and I, I, I did continue to do any gigs that came up with his one. Um. And then from that point, yeah, I, 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 the thing that was making my money was the function band.
1: Right. And yet you were still doing. So now you had management. You'd done this tour with Eliza yeah, yeah. And, then, and then what at what point did that fall off oh.
0: that's a really good question one that I don't really have a definitive answer um, it just that was that was the peak that period of time we did a gig with the Guillemots what was that no we did a gig with the fuck was it we did a gig with the Twang as we were signing with the management deal we did a gig. We did a couple of gig, We did the Eliza Do little thing with the off the back of the management guys, and then the following year we did a gig supporting the Guillemots in Birmingham, which was to this day the biggest gig I've ever done. And and after that, that was kind of which just, was what?
1: What was it? How was it? Like the Gallimots? Gillamots. Oh, Gillamots. Should I know
0: them? Uh, Maybe they're—I they're, don't know—they're relatively big, relatively niche. They're, if you've heard of them, you've heard of them. If you haven't, you haven't.
1: What do they do? I, I guess
0: they're like a—I guess they're like an English version of Incubus. Okay. I think that that might be a reasonable way to describe them. They're a, yeah. they're an English Incubus.
1: English Incubus, cool. And so, what gig did you do with them?
0: It was a gig in Birmingham um, Town Centre. It was done by Kerrang Radio at the time. And they got the Guillemots. they got um, Casino, which was a band fronted by the guitar player from Stereophonics. Oh, sick. So obviously not Kelly Jones or whatever his name is, but his guitar player in Stereophonics at the time. Then it was us. And then amusingly, there was a band just before us called Octane OK, who Drew, who we now play with in Gorgeous George, was the bass player for. Oh, so maybe. me and Jimmy, yeah, because I know his
1: his original band went pretty far. I'd like yeah. to get him. I want to get Drew and Jimmy and Paul on.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. I've Yeah, so that's a, that. I mean, that's a really funny story. The fact that yeah. me and Jimmy met and kind of played with Drew years before we knew each other. Yeah. And for me, that's a Our
1: context for everyone. Drew, Jimmy, and um,
0: Paul playing. Gorgeous George.
1: Paul and Alex.
0: With Yaelisha, she's yeah. there too. She
1: is there. She she's. I heard she's fairly important.
0: Well, she, she, she certainly got a better voice than all of us.
1: That girl has fucking pipes, man.
0: Don't fucking tell her I said that though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so okay, yeah. So you you met on that. So and that was just a gig.
0: Yeah. Or was it just big? What Single was it? Gig. What festival was it? One, was just it? one day, one, one thing. Okay. Yeah. And then after that, Jimmy left, and I kind of moved back to Milton Keynes. Was um,
1: that heartbreaking? at all, yeah, to have <laughs> yeah. your drummer leave, because that was obviously got on the up and up.
0: I was, well, yeah, okay, so in hindsight, well, yeah, I was pissed with Jimmy for a really fucking long time.
1: Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, of course, you're fine, because you understand how life works, but like, Well,
0: when Jim, what, what, mm, yeah. I was pissed with Jimmy for a really long time. Yeah. I still played with him, I still hung out with him a few times, and we did gigs together when he was back in the country a few times, but but I, I do remember that that first year after he left... I knew how much money he was going to make and I fucking drew a line of the sand it's like I'm going to make more money than you every single fucking month because fuck you that's
1: an interesting way to look at it did and you? I, yeah I did but you also had to pay rent
0: so. yeah, yeah I had to pay I had to, so therefore
1: my, didn't
0: yeah I mean whether <laughs> I had to pay rent or whatever you know or petrol or whatever I had to pay yeah. at the time so maybe ultimately I didn't but in terms of like net income I, w- I was I mean I was what 20 god knows what I was young yeah and I was pissed off, and I was a—I'm a guy, and I mean, it's good motivation. I dealt with to my emotions in a, in, in, a, in, in, a in a in a negative fashion. Uh, but yeah, 100. But, but like, yeah. I, the Jim, reason why I bring Jim's those things up—no, no, no—the no,
1: no. reason why I bring that up is not to be like, oh, hey, are you pissed <laughs> off? It's just more so. I think sometimes to bring up that bigger picture because I think all of us can get so bogged down with the immediacy of things that go wrong or go differently than we planned and I think it's important to look on those things in hindsight and remember some of the things that were good but also some of the things that were shit so that we don't judge the present with so much
0: intensity yeah I mean look you know I wouldn't you know as pissed as I was with Jimmy at the time I wouldn't be fucking here right now if it wasn't for Jimmy and I I ultimately owe him so much that I'm not Really able to convey in fucking words, yeah. Like he he saved my ass when my ass needed saving more than my ass even realized my ass <laughs> needed saving, right? Oh,
1: deep words, yeah,
0: and I mean them. Yeah. But um, you know that's that's the personal relationship side of music, as oh, I, which
1: is beyond huge. Yeah. I mean, beyond huge. The fact that
0: you know it, how good weird. you are is ultimately only fucking fifty percent of. The of the if that. If that.
1: You know every every time and like I mean I did this podcast because I wanted to talk with working musicians yeah. who aren't famous, people who deal with the day to day life. You know you can't necessarily relate. I'm massive
0: in Japan. What do you mean this non-famous people? thing
1: <laughs> But you know what I mean is that like people who aren't earning like you know twenty grand a month kind of thing. People are earning.
0: I'm not earning twenty grand a month. I will accept what? that. I'm not earning twenty grand a month.
1: But you know what I mean, like just people who have to deal with relationship issues, stuff. Like just certain some of the interviews are things we can't understand because they're beyond our comprehension. But yeah, like, totally. But I mean, I just I think it's super valuable to know what real people go through, like and what real relationships are. Like, but but even the big guys. Sorry, I lost my train of thought because of vodka. Hmm. Um, but even, what I was saying is even the big guys, the famous guys, they all say, like, a lot of it is, how's the hang?
0: Yes, how's the hang? That's. A, that's but, sorry, a, Alex
1: that's is going to open the door because he's smoking. smoking.
0: That, we could yeah, just pause. The, the, the hang is, you know, you, I haven't heard someone use those it. words since Kev Hickman. But the, yeah, the hang is very important. Uh, Sam is. And you have to be, you have to be able to be friends with the people that you're hanging out with. Well,
1: the thing is, if you're working with people, you want to be able to get along with them.
0: Yeah, but uh, the thing about, the thing about being in a band or music with, with people, ultimately is, <laughs> you want to talk about relationships, like, if you're in a band with someone, ultimately you're in a relationship with them.
1: Yeah. Which is exactly
0: the fucking same as you would be if you were with a girlfriend or boyfriend, and depending on your respect. Exactly the same the Well, there are, there are differences. yeah, yeah, okay. There are sexual difference in terms of physical contact, but like in terms of like, like your your mood, your emotional well being, your mental stability, your financial fucking stability. Yeah. These are It'll massive factors that come into the. Realities of being in a band with someone But here's the
1: thing So it was interesting We were talking with Kev Because um, I'm on the gig with Kev Bennett And his girlfriend's over And mm-hmm. um, she's a teacher So she does yeah, yeah. teaching in an- international schools And like of course We were having this conversation About how band drama Or whatever Whatever band dramas everyone's Yeah
0: speaking. yeah yeah
1: um, She's and, cool
0: I like I like both of them Oh just, they're, just met oh, them. they're both imagine.
1: just amazing human. Good mm. ex Good ex No she's absolutely lovely And um you know, uh, and he can play bass, I guess. Oh, he sounds like fucking Sting, man.
0: Oh yeah, he does. Do, he he's smashing really the stick. He he's smashing play. the sting. Well,
1: we're doing a Sting Police tribute next month.
0: Oh right, okay, yeah, cool. So
1: we have to do anyway. Point being, she's lovely, and we were speaking and like we were talking about this, and I was like, but is it the same in teaching? Because like I always have these conversations where people go, oh, the music industry is like this, and blah, 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 just to our industry, and I'm like, it's kind of every industry is a little bit. That humans are humans in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that's slightly different with music is, A, you can't leave it at, at the office.
0: Yeah.
1: Or if you're good, you certainly don't. Mm-hmm. But then maybe it's the same with business. If you're really high up in business, you don't leave it at the office. You do
0: take it home with you. Well, I, I guess I have a, a couple of... Um... What
1: are you looking at on your phone?
0: Oh, Jimmy messaged me.
1: Well, tell him he's a dickhead
0: he just said the word excellent so I'm, I'm sure he agrees with you <laughs> um, he uh, yeah um,
1: I love you Jimmy Holliday. I
0: think there are different factors when it comes to being in a band with people than there are being in regular business uh, and, and I you know in terms of success or whatever you, you know you could that, you know you could talk about that all day but
1: I'd say it's a more vulnerable position maybe yeah
0: the thing about I think the thing about being in bands with people is is, is your own self-worth and ego comes into situations significantly more than it possibly does in other situations. Right. Which, which. Not having fair. been a frontman my entire career and then going to being at the back of the fucking stage playing keyboards, I can absolutely say because, yeah. because I have 100% had difficulties adjusting to that role. Of being yeah. at the back and allowing everyone else to take the it's spotlight. It's probably a
1: bit amazing for your musicianship. Well, yeah,
0: yeah. There is this because it these... forces
1: you to focus. Because even when I just did that two gigs where I was just the player, which mm. I want to do more of because I need that in order to improve my playing. Because performance motivates me to practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, same. Get it? Yeah, you get it. Yeah. Unless you're gonna, unless you have to perform it, you're not gonna sit rehearsing it for five hours. Yeah. Unless you really love it, but
0: yeah 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 yeah.
1: but like it suddenly alerts you to oh, that's not so great when you're not responsible for the how oh, are you doing Yeah, fair. yeah
0: like when I'm the front man and when I'm fronting a band or MDing a band or whatever like I know ultimately the responsibility falls onto my shoulders and if I do and if I do something shit or stupid or that I shouldn't do again yeah like I ultimately know that it's only me that's going to have to deal with it, and everyone else around me is kind of on the same page as me and has got my back or whatever. Yeah. But like, it's but you.
1: It, you but I made can a fuck up. They've the seen shit. your fuck up. You can deal with it. You can take. I can the deal with the from.
0: shit. When, if- yeah, when I'm at the back and I I have to be that other person, just like, and especially obviously, like I said, keys is my second instrument without a doubt, and I've certainly learned an awful lot about playing keyboards through being in this band, and. Um, one of my f- biggest difficulties initially was the equipment I had to, to do the job was not up to scratch, and so there was that factor. That's and that huge
1: of- with keys. There's so much pre-prep that comes. Yes, through. keys more than anything. Mm. Half of your job is getting the right patch.
0: Yes, yes. Like you play guitar, you want a clean sound. You want a dirty sound. Do you want delay or not? And, and after that, basically, you ain't got to worry too much. Like yeah, you can throw a bit of chorus on there's some other shit that you can do if you really want to I mean it's not but in the same league it's not in
1: the same league the thing is there is this element of that getting a good sound on any instrument is huge and that's where I'm finding a big blockade like I've just bought the Voice Live 3
0: yeah yeah that's a cool thing
1: great piece of kit
0: yeah
1: and I've got to fucking figure out how to use it I've at least like when I sit with it it's good because I use a metronome with it because of the looper yeah so that's been great for my practice yeah and like um, yeah, just sitting and getting the sounds right And yeah. understanding what the fuck is going on What tone you want
0: I looked at the Voice Life 3 I looked at the Voice Life 3 a lot Because that
1: would be amazing for your solo stuff
0: Yeah, I, I think Because um, it
1: has a MIDI input I,
0: So I had an idea a while ago So when I, when I went in to do the Waldorf gig the, Which was a solo gig I did for four months Six nights a week And I The way I was initially thinking of doing that gig Was with a piano an acoustic guitar, and I had a TR eight, the Roland, the, the newer um, Roland 808 drum machine. Oh,
1: okay. I've, I've never looked into drum machines. Actually. All right, so
0: I had a, so but so that makes you know sense. what the eight, you the know what an 808, 909 machine is, right, Lucy? No. Okay, so okay, the 808 Roland 8 T Did you think because my
1: dad talked talked about using drum machines? Yeah,
0: the TD 808 and TD 909s were like the 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 massive Roland drum machines, and. If, I don't know four years ago I think it was maybe Roland did a reissue of like the 808 and the 909 in this kind of gig worthy package and I did did some production with it and I did some stuff with it but my so my initial concept in my head of going into this solo gig was right I'll have the, T, the TD TH, whatever the hell it is yeah. T, TD8, TD, TD8 I think it's called the TD8 so I, had the, I had the TD8 I had an acoustic guitar and a Nord Electro 4 and I was like, right, and I'll get, I'll get a looper and I'll use those three things combined. What were
1: you looking at, a bus?
0: Uh, th- yeah, I think initially I was looking at the bus. We
1: used the RC30 for a long time.
0: Yeah, I think I, think I was looking, so I had an RC3 for a while, okay. which I was using more as a sampler with guitar than I was using wow. as a looper. Is that
1: an old school
0: one? No, it was... Um,
1: I don't know which, I know the RC20, which is the shit one of the rc Well, the RC2, And C- I know yeah, the, the RC- RC50, which is the big one. But there's a newer one of them. Yeah, so there was the
0: RC-20, which was the double pedal. There was the RC-50, which was the, like, six-pedal, yeah. bigger one. The RC-20 one.
1: and 30 were the double pedal, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, so I had the RC-3, which was a single pedal.
1: Right, okay, so that's just a simple kind of, like... Yeah,
0: but, but so they did the RC-3 and they did the RC-1. The RC-1 was just a looper. But with the RC-3, it had an internal memory that you could store... You could put okay. stuff on it. You could download WAV files into it. So right. with, with what, when I initially got it, so um, actually I initially got it because of the amateurs. So one of the things that, um, one of the things I tried to incorporate into my playing as a guitar player was more like sampling and synthesis-based playing and that kind of right. idea. And I think for, for me, the thing about guitar playing currently now is if you listen to pop music the guitar is very basic in terms of modern music yeah. and but sampling is massive uh, you've heard of a band called minus the bear no so as a, the guitar player from minus the bear i can't remember the name of his, Can't remember the name of the guitar player right now but he had um, you know the line 6 dl4 it's a it's a, um delay modeler Basically. okay no yeah but but so it was a delay model but it was also one of the kind of first loopers right. that were available on the market for guitar but he had four of these set up on his pedal board and he used a couple for delay but he used a couple of them specifically for looping stuff and okay. triggering so we play like you know a not even like a four bar loop or a, you could play be, like maybe like a chord and right. loop that and then just trigger it once and so we had a couple of those set up specifically for looping, right. and that was a kind of a massive inspiration for for where my playing and stuff kind of went.
2: Yeah.
0: And um, and so when I was with the amateurs, there was one song we did, which was called the Bear as a code name, off of the back of A yeah. minus the Bear, because I was basically recording a sample and then triggering it to remind
1: me, send me that like link. That. I yeah. I remember it, but I've had a lot of I've had a lot of vodka.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're on that yeah we get, that's where we are now um, <laughs> but so there was an uh, there' was a song that the amateurs did called um, i can't remember what it's called it's i think it's track four on the album but um right but there was a there was basically the the guitar part for that was was a sample and I sampled so I played like two notes on the guitar yeah. and I copied and pasted them on a door and i and and that became the the basis for the certainly the verse parts of the song. Right. So you know, obviously, there's one thing to be able to. Obviously, when you're playing guitar, every single hit is ever so subtly different. But with sampling, you yeah. get a different feel on the whole thing, and yeah. and you're recreating an exact tone of something re- repeated. Yeah. So literally, like the guitar part was like eh, 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 eh. Yeah, yeah, same it, as a
1: production choice. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. It was a production choice. But to re- then recreate that live, I was like, well, how am I gonna do this? So I created a loop of the sampled guitar part. Right. And I put it into the RC3, and I would trigger it for the, for the song. Yeah. And so that was one of the, one of the things I was doing. And, the, and in, in, other, in other things, I, I would take like, um, uh, what's that film called? There's a Charlie Chaplin speech. I think the film's called The Emperor. Okay. And um, he does like a, like a you know minute and a half long speech, yeah. which is pretty amazing. And there was a song I did with a with one of my own projects later on, and in like a breakdown of that, I would trigger I would, the speech. I would trigger the speech, but then I would because in my in the chain of my pedal board the the. The looper was quite early on in the pedalboard. So it would get the so distortion of so, so yeah, on. yeah, so I could then turn on distortion, I could then manipulate it with delays, I could do weird shit. So with what it. was
1: interesting is when I was a teenager and like before I was playing much guitar, yeah. Know, I was still I, I say pentatonic single pentatonic queen for many years. Um I um I worked at a guitar like player. That. I'm still fucking just sick pentatonic, that's all I know. Are you just saying that I'm just Pentatonic Jack?
0: No. Well, if I am, I don't mean... Oh, you're saying yourself. I'm <laughs> that. That's what I mean. Like, I, I barely know much outside of a Pentatonic, but... Like, I don't I, know anything. You know, I've made a few bob off the back of those Pentatonics.
1: I've learned one or two notes outside of it, and I'm quite excited. And uh, my my guitarist recently showed me just an easy way to play over changes. You mean the
0: guitarist so, in your but, band?
1: Not, not, not Tom. Tom oh. has showed me nothing but pedo jokes. No. Tom is a fucking magnificent human and I love playing with him and I don't understand him as a human. Um he's most I just spend time being his mum. I think I've realized what it is. We're a comedy we're a comedy duo. I am the straight man, he is the funny man, and that's just what it is. Okay. And I just spend the time death staring him on stage. everyone thinks he's my I didn't he didn't touch his guitar last night. I was on guitar. All he spent time.
0: yeah, he spent the night. I saw. Was it last night? Yeah, yeah it, was it was last was night. Last yeah, yeah. I saw you right. guys play. Yeah, he was on the keys. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: No, he didn't touch his guitar. Do you know? What but the, the beautiful thing is that I'm. And the thing is, again, it's kind of like bad for the audience, but then at the same time, what is the audience but temporary? Do you
0: know what? It's really heartbreaking for me to go and watch a guitar player play the keyboards much better than I can. <laughs> well, no, no. Can I tell
1: you? I said to him, I was like, dude you're so much fucking better than last year. What have you been doing? He's like, I've to touched a key since last year. Oh, wow. I went, what the fuck? He was like, no, I've just found the transpose button.
0: That's a thing. <laughs> yeah. The... I was
1: like, cause I remember last year you could only play in C and now he's like, I can still only do that. And G.
0: Yeah, yeah. The... It's
1: like, but I've just found the transpose
0: button. The key to my success is the transpose button right. on keyboards. <laughs> without the trans, and, uh, oh, I tell you what, right. So when I had the, so this is, this is come back to the gear thing. Yeah, when sure. I had the the first six months of playing in Gorgeous George, I had a Nord Electro four, and I had a I'd main stage set up on a laptop for additional sounds yeah, if yeah. I needed it. But was and this then, on the
1: on the Nord or like no? This, a was, this was
0: like a little interface M Audio twenty four yeah. key just for synths. thing for synth stuff. all right so I had the the Nord Electro I had the the top keyboard plugged into the laptop, and I had my guitar going through the laptop as well with a. Boss 80
1: oh, and shit. I used You're guitar using rig. A... I
0: was using guitar rig.
1: oh my dad is obsessed with the fact that you shouldn't use a pedal and
0: you should use online stuff. Well,
1: it just seems like effort to me, and my brain space can't handle
0: that. I, that's a different conversation.
1: Yeah, different conversation.
0: I, like I can go on about that for a long time, but um, but that's the yeah. The first six months of that, but so for every so I so if we learn so um, forget you for example. You know, CeeLo Green. Yeah. That's in C. It
1: is.
0: Right? So I learnt the songs, Forget You and CeeLo Green. Da, 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 you don't da, need da, to tell yeah, me that. Yeah, goes you know the song. Like right? Then we get into rehearsal and they want that, and the singer wants that brought up four semitones.
1: Why would you want to brought
0: up? Because that girl Cause can She sing. can sing. Because <laughs> that girl can sing. Right, That's so insane. yeah, yeah. I was
1: about to say, of course, fucking Yelisha just bringing it. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: So she, she making bought,
1: things harder.
0: Yeah, so she she bought it, but um. So I'm like, well, I'm not gonna go and learn that in E, because because you need me to be able to play it in E right now without me thinking about it. Yeah. So I'll find the transpose button. But the thing about the, so, so I, six months later, I bought a Nord stage three, the stage three came out. It didn't get shipped to Dubai until much later, but I, so I ended up buying the stage three. I wanted it before I got to the gig. It didn't happen. So I, but, but the first six months of the gig, yeah. I was like, um, for every different song that was in a different key that i wasn't in standard oh because the rest of the bands in e-flat as well to start off with oh
1: god yeah okay so, so that's... the bands
0: in e-flat which is obviously minus one on a transpose yes right initially i mean sam's
1: working with a guy who's realized has semi-perfect pitch and made them tune to e-flat so he's like every time he'll go for a note, he'll be like oh for fuck's sake it's not
0: there yeah 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 About I... well, what i
1: wanted to get onto. okay is, um you got signed with universal yes how did that happen? What happened? I was
0: playing a brunch gig and I met a guy who works in PR out here and he said, um, I'm here if you think you can use me for anything and it'd be great to interact with more musicians in Dubai. And I was like, you're the guy I'm waiting for.
1: He's working in PR for who?
0: Uh, he has his own company uh, called Mana Music. Okay. Maana music. I don't know. I exactly know how to pronounce it, which is probably right. a bad thing. But um, so I I've known for, so I've been sitting on. Is an, he a British guy? He's local. a British guy. He's a British guy originally, and he's lived out here for whatever his reasons are.
1: Working in this industry is that his main passion project. Yeah, time so he was a DJ. Was a so he
0: was okay. a DJ. Right. Uh, he's got a few other things on on the go, but still related to music. Right. But um. I met him at a, doing a when I was doing a brunch gig, and um, well, you know we've all met people who think they're to do with music off the back of gigs a hundred times. Yeah. But
1: you could tell this one. Was I knew. Moderate I knew music. this was.
0: I knew. It's funny when you know you meet. There's a few people I've met over the years where whether where you either know they're just talking the talk or they're actually walking the walk and it's usually the guys who are pretty reserved who actually walk the walk yeah 100% and so you know he gave me his card and you know he's like it'd be really cool you know if I can help you let's let's talk and so we had a few conversations on the phone for you know a few hours over the course for however long it was and um, talked music out and I was talking about all the songs I had and and stuff like that and talking about doing an album which I've been working on and writing for for a while but I've had this EP that I did a few years ago which I never released properly
1: yes this is it the one you sent me you were very proud of it maybe I think you sent it to me I've got it on my Dropbox
0: maybe that mm-hmm. might be a thing I did mhm um, it was pretty rocky pretty rocky I
1: don't know I listened to it
0: okay well if it's not pretty this is a year ago I don't remember what I did last week let alone a year ago but um
1: if this EP is from a, over a year ago it's
0: from over it's, a year ago
1: then yeah it's I've, I've heard it it's so, pretty good
0: thank okay. you so so, so I um, so around the same time that I was do, finishing off the al- album with the Amateurs I was playing with Kev the drummer and we decided that we were going to do a side project and um It was this kind of two-piece rock thing, and I had a few. Royal
1: blood, esque.
0: Yeah, but it was amusingly. (laughs) It was really funny because the time we was this was pre Royal Blood,
2: right?
0: Royal Blood weren't a thing when we did this. Motherfuckers. Yeah. Well, it was. All your idea. Well, no, because you know the white stripes and black keys and whatever did it first. But we did this, this rock thing, which was, you know, I guess, in, you know, in hindsight, incredibly Royal Blood-esque. And it was funny because we did it and everyone was like, well, you know, no one cares about rock music anymore and no, no, you know, no one's going to buy a rock album, especially not a two-piece rock album. And then Royal Blood came out and I was like, well, fuck everyone, uh, you're all wrong. Yeah. And anyway, through the course of, so we did the initial sessions and then through the course of life the songs kind of evolved a little bit and there was a couple of them that I ended up writing a middle eight for to just kind of finish the songwriting. So a couple of years later, so yeah, it'll be six years in April that we did the initial sessions for it. We did a- we spent five days in the studio working on these songs. And then um, then after that, I started playing them out and about and I ended up writing a middle eight for two of the songs the the two songs that still needed I felt a little bit more of something to kind of finish them off one of them in particular was at this point only about you know two minute ten rock song right so it you know needed that extra 30 seconds and so um, I ended up writing that and then a couple of years later off the back of another session we were doing with the same guy we went back in to do some demos for the cover band and at the same time we kind of did some stuff with this EP, and we kind of finished it off to a point where we were happy with it. Anyway, um, I was chatting to Toby and the guy I met out here, and he was like, "Oh, you know, you know, when you get the album together, let's let's talk and let's sort something out." And I, I thought about it, and then all of a sudden, popped into my head like, "Well, yeah, the album's a thing that's coming, but I've got this thing right now." Yeah. And he was like, well, but you're really excited about the album and you, you kind of know where that's going. i like, yeah, yeah, but in terms of... artistic Artistically, I was pretty... Artistically at the time, the last track on the EP, I'd done this arpeggiated synth part, which I knew was going to lead into, in my head, whatever the album was going to become. Right. So it's got kind of past Alex had kind of looked after future Alex in a really unknowing way right amusingly and uh, anyway so I was like well okay the album's a thing which is still on the table and and still you know we'll see how that pans out but I I have this EP right now you know what do you think and maybe we should release this first as a kind of like a a, a grounding to everything else you know to, to, to build hype and you know build profile or whatever ahead of yeah the album coming out in a yeah that kind of way and so he he heard the album and he was like okay cool well I tell you what and he pitched it to Sony and Universal out here and Universal went for it and I had a meeting with them and they wanted to sign it and it's kind of that simple really and that's
1: what you've done so far and what does it mean in this day and age what does
0: signing mean that's a really good question which I don't necessarily have a really fully fully uh, formed answer my, f- f- my my answer in reality I think is alright so uh, for me right now and this is no disrespect to Universal and what I've got a meeting with them tomorrow so this is based th- everything I'm about to say is based on my opinion this that second
1: could change immediately and this could all change tomorrow
0: yeah. <laughs> right but From my perspective, labels nowadays are a bank and a marketing department. Yeah. And there isn't much more than that. Now in terms of bank, Universal have done nothing for me because they didn't need to, because the album was already, the EP was already done. Right. So they didn't need to give me any money for it because the product was already there. Whether they would have not is a different conversation to which I don't actually know the answer to, but uh-huh. they certain they didn't because they didn't need to so right. my my you know recording advance so to speak was minimal because they didn't need one yeah because it was done
1: so it was none.
0: but the thing that the thing that i know they are capable of doing and certainly interestingly in in obviously we're in the middle east right now and so the thing that they are capable which of
1: which is a powerful place to be musically i think
0: well, i don't know i guess because we'll see because
1: there's such a gap in the market
0: yeah maybe I, I don't know We we'll don't see. know yeah. I don't know We'll see But um, So But the thing they 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 can do Is marketing And Pitching to Whatever Labels pitch to In the grandest sense Of what they do So for, for me The thing that The thing that I know is important For The Furthering of my Original material Is that level of profile increase
1: right that they can offer
0: that I hope they can offer no so obviously it's Universal Music Mina so Middle East North Africa so they'll pitch it to Middle East North Africa I've spoken to another guy I know in England who does PR as well in England a bit of Europe a bit of America and a bit of Australia and I'll throw him some cash to do some stuff at the same time because for the, there's an amazing thing I, I heard along the way which really made me think about everything I was doing in terms of original music and that was that Ed Sheeran's biggest market is the Philippines really? well yeah so I don't know if that's 100% correct but, but working can... on the fact let, let's work for a minute on the fact that that is correct Right. Right. as an English musician we spend all of our time and all of our energy trying to crack England.
1: Which is one of the hardest markets to crack.
0: Yeah, but, like, so, but like, let's, let's think outside the box for a minute. There's, if you look at India, China, and the Philippines, you've got basically half the world's population. Yep. Right, there are more people who are gonna stream, buy, or pay tickets to see your gigs in those three countries than there are anywhere else in the world. I mean, they're pretty big countries. But ultimately, like, that's where the people are. So the question for me became less about how can I get on top of the pops and, you know, get number one in England or whatever, and more about, well, hang on a minute, how can I crack the fucking Philippines? How can I get my music into China? How can I get my music into India? And that sort of thing, which, which, which kind of happened along the way. And... And kind of changed the game a little bit. So, yeah, I'm paying a bit of extra money for some PR in England, Europe, America, Australia. However, we'll see. However, that pans out. Okay. Yeah, and we will. and obviously, Universal are doing their thing with Middle East and North Africa. But I the for me, the game changed. Whereas where I stopped focusing and worrying about England. Mm-hmm which is obviously where I was, and started thinking about the rest of the world.
1: Now, is original music where you want to be?
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, I, I, this is
1: this is the way I int- find it interesting phrasing it, only because it was a comment someone had to me, which was revolutionary for me. When I moved to England, I wanted to do original music.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was this girl in the bar I was working, because I, of course... Moved, had no idea what an NI number was and I worked as a waitress and I there was this girl who was studying at BIM you know she was a singer <coughs> and uh, she was like you know very much I'm going to do South African accent because I don't know how to do the English at you're
0: fact. doing great carry on
1: and she was like you know um, and I was like oh well what do you want to do like what do you want to do in the industry blah 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 she had no interest in me or what I'd done because this was after you know five star gigs in China she didn't give a
0: shit no one should ever give a I shit I was no one yeah no one ever is
1: no no and I don't believe I'm someone that's not what I meant but it was just you know those people who don't yeah, even yeah, ask yeah, how yeah, are yeah. you yeah, yeah 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 it was she was very into herself considering she'd never worked in music please carry on and she's said, okay you know uh, I was just like interested in what do you want to do in music like what do you like doing what do you she was like oh you know I don't mind as long as soul you know I love singing soul and she was like, but, you know, there's no better feeling than playing my own songs with my own band. And I suddenly went, I don't give a fuck what I'm playing as long as I'm playing. Mm. Like, in some ways, I think I actually prefer covers because I have more freedom with it because I'm not trying to prove a song to them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm just trying to make them have a good time. Yeah. Whereas with originals, you're kind of, there's a bit of ego involved. I mean, there's ego involved in everything, but like, so that was an interesting question for me. So like w- when I phrase that to you, like, is that what makes you feel the greatest is when it's your own songs?
0: Well, case, okay, on the flip of that, that's an interesting question. So for me and where I'm at right now and the gig I'm doing and where I am at, I don't see... For, for the things I look for in a great gig... I don't see anywhere in the world there to be a better one than what I'm doing right now. I feel like I'm kind of you guys of,
1: have got a sick deal.
0: Yeah, the luck lo- Yeah, what we're doing is is really great, and the you know the band's really good, the gigs really good, the crowd is fantastic. You know, we're playing to up to two thousand people on a Friday night. Yeah, you know, every fucking fr- Friday or whatever, you know, and it, it's always pretty much it's. It's ramped. Oh well, yeah, it's rammed. Well, I've never done a Friday and it not be absolutely rammed. So for me it's like, well, that's that's the glass ceiling of of that. You know, where can where can I go from there? And so to a degree, the my my own music is the only thing that it, it's the, my own music is the only thing that can push through that glass ceiling.
1: I sort of get where you're coming from but at the same time there's difference
0: yeah absolutely there's it's massive. massive difference
1: ceiling, life is not just upwards it's different yeah so being the frontman of said band would be different
0: I, I okay so yeah yeah, yeah yeah. while you're right I, I think I see my I see my my life as a matter of moving forwards yeah and Perfect. not kind of turning over the same grass or turf or whatever the phrase is. And you is. think
1: that would be turning
0: Well, like look, okay, where I am right now, I could do this forever and it'd be great.
1: Yeah.
0: But I'm not the kind of person who's happy with with no, that. No,
1: it's the curse of ambition. I've spoken to many of friends about but it. But it.
0: it's you know, it's, it's not even in, it's funny, I was as in this conversation with with someone else last night. And it's like it's not even about money.
1: No, it's, it's never a, about money. We're musicians. A, yeah, it's about. If it were about money, we'd be doing another. Yeah, we'd
0: be accounts. You know, it's about it's about moving forwards, and so I. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens off the back of this EP release when yeah. it comes out. But I, oh, sorry, I it's all right. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't have all the answers.
1: No, no one does. I think. I think. Life's a good, it's good to have a good amount of like what I want and a good amount of flexibility in terms of we'll see how it goes.
0: I heard this thing recently, right? So I don't know if you've ever noticed him. There's a guy named Gary V. He does a lot of YouTube stuff. There's a lot of Instagram stuff. He's a really interesting character and he's, he's, uh, he works in, well, he he kind of made his money through, um, e-commerce and wine sales and he also, owns a media company. He's very up on Facebook marketing, Instagram marketing, social media marketing generally. And his, um, his ambition in life is to own the New York Jets. Now I've always said that my ambition is to play Wembley stadium. And, And literally only today he said this thing where it was like, I don't even care if I, I don't care if I don't ever own the New York Jets. It's, I've just enjoyed the fact that I've tried to go for it and it's, it's the journey and the chase that and I've yeah. enjoyed and that's what I get my he like gets his kicks out of and it really made me think and while I don't think I've necessarily always been that way and I think that I judge myself based on those quantifiable successes in music at various points in my life I do certainly think that I've now got myself to a healthier point where I'm like even if I never played Wembley.
1: I'm like enjoying the chase. The,
0: yeah, the fact that I've gone out and I've tried to get there and I've done this, 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 and this in the process, and I've had these experiences and I've gone to these places and I've, I've you know, played with these people and all that sort of stuff is the thing that, that I've enjoyed. Now,
1: acceleration. It's all about acceleration. That's what the thrill is. It's not about the philosophy you're going at. It's about the idea that you're accelerating.
0: Well, it's not even accelerating, it's just moving in the right direction. You can be moving in the right direction at an incredibly slow pace, but as long as you're moving in the right direction, you're moving in the right direction.
1: 100% true. When I was waitressing, I think that was the worst of it. I was like, I'm not working towards... And even when when for that brief period, you know, I was working for the agency. It wasn't Mm -hmm. so much that, you know, um, for a while it was in the right direction, I was learning things I wanted to go. Mm. And then after a point, I was like, oh no, I'm moving further away from what I think I actually want to be doing. And well, that's, that's not right for me that's
0: interesting because i did some there were, a few years ago i was doing there was a, a, a um there was a category of gigs i was doing which i was very much done with doing and i knew that money was on the table to do those gigs but i was very much done with doing those sorts of gigs due to payment terms distance to do the gigs and a variety of other factors and, and, I, went and I, worked, I, I went and I waited for a while, and I didn't shout about it. And I very much, well, I, I had a great time waitering. And for me and my personal health, I got more out of waitering than I did going and doing those really shit gigs for the money that I knew I didn't want to do anymore. Yeah. So, so to, you know, it's ultimately it's, it's, a, it's... I mean, I do
1: think I grew from that experience as well, so...
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% grew from that experience. But, like, again, it's... I think I don't know if I said it earlier really on, but it's like sometimes I think in life it's about knowing what you don't want to do just as much as knowing what you do want to do. So. like, yeah. yeah, I want to fucking play Wembley Stadium, but I've also got to go and pay some bills so I can pay the rent because I'm living on my own. Yeah, because uh, I'd
1: rather as much as i want to play wembley stadium i'm not willing to live out my car for
0: yeah or tickets. go back and live with my parents it's like you know
1: if that's a sacrifice i have to make i'd rather not
0: yeah exactly i i so like I, you know i before i came to dubai i was living on my own i lived on my own for 3 plus years mm-hmm. right and i i was single i'm single right and now a lot of the musicians i know that i'm friends with who doing it full time they have partners now that sounds menial and ridiculous but that second income stream when it comes to paying fucking rent and electricity bills makes quite a serious difference because you're literally halving the fucking thing and so you know i and I, i wasn't prepared to not live on my own but i wasn't prepared to compromise on what i wanted to do So I had to find a a middle ground to make things work, and I went and worked a menial waitering job because that, for me, was
1: better than doing something that you hated. Was better
0: than going out and playing music, doing something that I was done with.
1: Well, I've already I've discussed with a few friends who like you know the minute you hate music stop for a while it's a
0: dark place to be
1: it's a really dark place to be because I think for most of us it's our identity yeah and the minute you stop enjoying it it becomes quite frightening
0: yeah the yeah the, the
1: because then who the fuck am I
0: well yeah I mean that's 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 a whole other thing really but um, I I <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Well, I, I, I have a running joke with a good. Well, I have a running joke that I'm two people. And There's Alex, who you're probably speaking to right now, and there's Alex Wesley, who's the guy who's on the stage. Right. And the guy who's on the stage, quote unquote, is, is a bit of a prick, <laughs> you know, and he does that thing. But Alex is who I actually am but but, okay, here's, but, here's okay, but my so just... they hang on a second so but then there's the development of that and so you could call Alex my light and you could call Alex Wesley my dark and you could call them the two sides of my personality you could talk there's various things you could do to refer them mm-hmm. but I guess ultimately it comes round to like the idea of that like away from music I'm still a whole person and I I shouldn't be I should I sh- for myself I shouldn't define myself by what I do
1: well, yeah, it's a dangerous path to be on to a certain extent but it's also a very enlightening path because to have something that roots you is mm-hmm. you know to have a passion is what a lot of people crave but yeah but then
0: when you have that moment where you hate the thing that you identify yourself as, you're like Why or not? you
1: lose your voice
0: or yeah, well, yeah. Which
1: I do all the time
0: exactly. yeah when, when you, let's take it into more let's take it into a mental health kind of situation like when you when you hate the thing that you identify yourself as, then you're going to a place of hating yourself. And that's ultimately right. not very healthy.
2: No, like, that's you know, true. What?
0: Medical conditions in terms of losing your voice or having your voice in you, that your voice is at the end of the day a muscle which needs to be taken care of and it strengthens, it weakens, depending on the yeah. day of the week, what you've eaten, what you've drunk, what you've smoked. Those factors all make a massive difference. But when it comes to your own personal image of yourself and how you see yourself, If you're hating the fucking thing you're doing, even though it's the greatest thing in the world because it's music from our perspective, but you,
1: Mm. it can really fuck with your insecurities and your vision and your your just identity. Yeah, I I do think that's
0: those were the Uh, points where I got to where I was like, I'm done. I'm hanging up my guitar.
1: Yeah, when I I was was in those situations. I mean, I know um, Sam. There was one particular person he worked with, and he thought, if I ever got that miserable Mm. about this career. I'm out. Yeah. Like I never want to be that person on Yeah, yeah. But like the one thing I will say is I don't think we're all two people. I think we're all multiple personalities. We all have multiple sides of us. Pure bipolar. And we're all just pure fucking tri, quad, pentas, pentapolar. Yeah. Pentapolar. But what I would say Sorry. is I found with security lies. It's having all the different sides of your personality get in a room and have a negotiation mm-hmm. and have a sit-down and say, like, Party Wesley says to Sensible Wesley, mm-hmm. hey, dude, like...
0: We're doing this now.
1: We're doing this. And Sensible Wesley says, okay, home slice, you've had too much time. It's my time now. Let's, let's, yeah. let's do it this way. And the same way, like, Practice Wesley says to... Um, says to relax He's
0: very Wesley. small. He doesn't, he doesn't get much of Practice Wesley doesn't get much... <laughs>
1: But you know what I mean? Like, there's different sides of ourselves. I always found those people with, it was the the Christian girl syndrome.
0: Okay, yeah, okay.
1: It was the girl who came and her identity was, I am Christian, I don't do bad things, I don't do any of this, that Mm -hmm. is not who I am. But the problem was, as soon as she was faced with hormones and being an adult and the temptations, what would happen is when she went overboard, she went so overboard, Mm -hmm. because her entire other self would have to leave the room because she couldn't She couldn't compromise. Yeah, 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 Christian girl couldn't compromise. Christian girl left the room and the other side was entirely there. Yeah, yeah. Instead of the two sides coming together and going, hey, look, I get that you kind of want to, you know, be a bit more sexual or whatever, so cool. Like, you can go do some stuff, but here's my boundary.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, yeah.
1: And the other girl saying, do you know what? As much as I want to do all this junk, it's fine. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean... It won't uh, if I can say I'm anything If I can, if I can d- quantify one thing I'm not in this world It's a Christian girl
1: No <laughs> But, but, I, know, but um, I know what you mean know the concept anyway, I know what you mean We should probably close out Because uh, we've talked a fuckload It's been fucking fantastic Do we have
0: trip. to? Because I'm really enjoying this Where are we at?
1: <laughs> You're like I just I'm
0: chatting that. now I don't care
1: We can still talk But I should stop this
0: alright cool well
1: because no one wants to listen to us talking for five now. hours also I'm quite drunk okay are you drunk
0: I'm I'm intoxicated the very what least. do you want to talk about just if you want to play music you've got to be okay with standing out in the pissing rain at two o'clock in the morning three hundred miles away from home and still be okay with it and that's...
1: Giving a blowjob to a transsexual hooker.
0: Well, I don't know about that, but I've never <laughs> done that. I've played a lot of music. I've never given a blowjob to a transsexual hooker. But like... I mean,
1: I've done it, but only on Tuesdays.
0: Yeah, okay, fair play. Yeah. But no, that's that's the reality. And, and the th- you know, it's the greatest job in the world. It's the greatest job in the world. But if it isn't making you happy, then you've got to go and sort it out.
1: Yeah, but I think it's like you said about acceleration. I mean, I love it, but there are times when I sometimes go... God, wow! I'm not enjoying this, and it's terrifying. And you just got to go right. How do I make this better? Yeah. I mean, I'm you, sure you've, and a lot of the times, it's just because you're not maybe putting the time in.
0: You got. To, I think it's important. To, I think it's important to change the game. I think it's important to push yourself. I think it's important to enjoy the comfort zones. I think it's just as important to get out of the comfort zones. I think. You know, do as many things as you possibly can. Yeah,
1: it's a balance of those. It's a balance of enjoying the comfort zones and then pushing out.
0: And yeah, it is. But if you find yourself in a comfort zone and you want to stay there, I think the reality is that that's equally fine. Like
1: basically, do whatever you do. Whatever want. the fuck you want <laughs> to do, whatever makes you Be happy. Be you. Be you. Live your best life.
0: All right. So I know I know some people who are playing music, who are doing making a good career out of it. And they're doing well for themselves. I know know a handful of people who who look like they're doing really well for themselves, but they're actually making fucking nothing and they're bumming off the back of their scenarios. And I know a shitload more people who are making no money off anything, but they think they're fucking rock stars. Right. And I think the reality of the situation is... It's all bullshit. I don't know. Do you know what I want? Do you know
1: what I want from this industry?
0: What do you want from this industry? I
1: I, want to be... A, I want to feel strong about my musicianship playing on stage. Okay. I want to be respected by my peers. Okay. I want people to be like, oh yeah, rocks. she's great to gig with. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy gigging with her. Yeah. You know. And I want um, to be continually having fun. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. Yeah. I think that's having fun. Yeah. Enjoying what you do. Entertaining your audience. That's always truly important. But like, like in terms of musicianship. Yeah. I want to be respect by my peers and I want to respect myself and know what I, I feel comfortable with my sounds and knowing what I'm doing honestly.
0: Well, I, yeah, being I,
1: able to listen and follow.
0: I respect that, but I have a sl—I have a slant on that. I th- I, okay, so so basically, my thing now is I want to make a sustainable, decent living. Doing some, doing what I love, and ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, that's playing music. Now, the having respect from my peers, I care l- less about now really because because I've had enough shit from enough people that
1: to realise that it doesn't really that I've
0: to make me realise that I I don't I don't need their approval like there are people there are people in my world that I appreciate their compliments from but there are people who who could be classified as my peers I as a younger man cared more about their opinion than I certainly do now because right. I don't need their approval to feel that I'm at the very least adequate at my job. Yeah, fair. And what was your last one? You had a third one.
1: What was it? Pure approval, um, being enjoyable to work with. Yeah. Um, it was respecting yourself as a player. Yeah. I think. And then...
0: I think, okay, well, respecting yourself as a player, I definitely have on, you know, everyone has good nights and everyone has bad nights and everyone, and you are only ever your worst critic. And um, at the end of the day, that's, that's you.
1: Dance at the time you put in, man.
0: Yeah, but, you know, it's funny, because I was thinking about this earlier on. Like, in my earlier years, I would say, like, Hendrix was a massive influence on my playing. Like Hendrix was a big influence. I have a, I have a few. I don't look to many traditional guitar players as influences. Like I look at, like 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 Tom Morello for me is more of an influence right. with Rage Against the Machine. I um, listen to a lot of Audio Slave. Podcasts. Yeah, Audio Slaves amazing. I thought that was one of my favorite bands, one hundred percent. Johnny Greenwood from sorry, Drew Greenwood from was that Coldplay or Radio, Johnny Greenwood's Radiohead. And Johnny Buckland is Coldplay, right. and I look at both of those guys, and I think they're both amazing guitar players. And um, Ed O'Brien from Radiohead is just just kind of the same. And but their approach to the guitar is is not what guitar players would look at in terms of traditional guitar playing. You look for song. I look, writers. yeah, I look for I look for. Well, do you know it's not even about the song; it's, it's sound. It's it's writing for the song and it's creating sound, and and I look for that a hundred times more than I look for anything else. But outside of that, I say Jimi Hendrix is is a massive influence. But I also say, in, in when I say Jimi Hendrix, I don't just mean Jimi Hendrix. I I look at the um, the. Kind of the guys who picked up that baton of Jimi Hendrix, and the guys that I really identify as picking up that Hendrix baton after him were Stevie Ray Vaughan, John Frusciante to a lesser degree, but and then also John Mayer, and I I personally incorporate all His of those. Turn. Yeah, oh yeah, he's an amazing player, and he spent some serious cash on getting a great tone. He's an, he's a phenomenal player, but I incorporate all of those guys into kind of the same thing. And I while I don't necessarily think this of the other guys, I certainly think this of Hendrix. And I've thought about it and I was like, I can't see him sitting in this bedroom worrying about a load of shit. And and so like so okay, again in my earlier years I really enjoyed playing Hendrix stuff. But I think one of the most enlightening moments of my playing time was in terms of just begin with with playing like Hendrix songs, but then playing other stuff, was Hendrix is playing Hey Joe or or Along the Watchtower or yeah you know Wind Cries Mary or any number of the songs and he's not thinking about it, he's essentially just fucking around. He's just like pushing himself and trying to do something that's fucking different and cool. And, and if I approach my playing in the same way, in that incredibly blasé ultimately fashion, like then I might actually be able to play hendrix stuff and Which sound a bit like Hendrick
1: Anyway, uh thanks for coming on with
0: thanks we love you. Welcome.
1: welcome we're gonna finish our chat
0: oh thank you pleasure to be here and captain chat
1: and Ron- the they told him to get it right but get, get, captain wrong notes captain Ron- notes. threw it out and you can tell me he ain't un'm